This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. Welcome to, yes, another edition of In Class with Dr. Gray Carr, the election edition. And we just found out that officially history has been made. Joe Biden is officially. Did something happen? Nope. That was my my thing. So you just wait a second. I don't know what that was. So I'm I, just mean, going the, I mean, like in the world. Oh, something. What do you mean? Did something happen? Did something, did something happen? I was in here yeah. looking at some. Are you kidding me? Wait, hold on, Dr. Carr. Yes, Joe Biden has officially been named president. Like, don't start with me this morning. Has he? I've been up. Yes. Okay. Well, Fox was still holding out. Listen, I've been up for four, basically four since Tuesday. Um, I'm a little loopy, but everybody's saying Pennsylvania's in the bag. So officially, Joe Biden is both the oldest president to ever, <laughs> president elect ever in the history of this country. He also was the youngest person elected to to uh, the Senate. He also uh, has the first ever black uh, vice president, also the first ever woman vice president elect. So we're going to say yay. And, yes. And the, and, and the first ever Indian, huh? First ever Indian. Yes, we're going so to do all like that. A- for, for Joe Biden, fourth time was the charm. Huh? Third time. Third time was the charm. Yeah. Well, no, he, well I, that's right, because he got bodied in the primaries. He didn't even make it to the, uh, okay. the, the first time. The first time he ran was 1984. He got one electoral vote. That was the year Jesse got like 360-some. Then he ran again in 88. He got two electoral votes. He doubled his uh, his total. Uh, Jesse had like 1,260 or something. Remember, that, uh, that was the year we were all going to Atlanta to wage a holy war because we didn't want Jesse to, uh, we wanted a brokered convention and we wanted Jesse to be the nominee, but Jesse gave up his delegates to do caucus who then got waxed in 88 by Bush. But in exchange for the uh, delegates, a lot of Jesse's people ended up in the DNC, including his campaign manager, Ron Brown, who ended up running the DNC, which is why there was a Bill Clinton. That's why y'all know the name Bill Clinton. Thank Ron Brown, which means thank Jesse Jackson, which means thank Ron Walters and all the young people who worked for Jesse and Ron Walters and them. That would include Donald Brazil and them. And then Joe ran again against, uh, what's that cat's name? Uh, Obama. He got waxed. He didn't even make it to. So, uh, yeah, we drug him across the finish line. But uh, <laughs> but uh, this time, but of course, what does that show us? That's our first lesson for today, right? Our first lesson for today is politics isn't about personalities it's about what is your interest and how do you advance it so we stop one minute that's why that's why i want my aretha franklin shirt uh today uh, uh karen this this is one from the funeral <laughs> in detroit shout out to detroit and milwaukee and my homies in philly my adopted hometown and, and pittsburgh harrisburg flint michigan all them Negroes, I bet y'all know where they live now, don't you? All our Spanish-speaking Kim folk out there in Arizona. I ain't talking about you white Venezuelans and Cubans. Y'all tried. Nice try. I'm talking about the Spanish-speaking folks who were here when the boat showed up. I'm talking about them people in Arizona, all them people, because that's just gravy at this point. Oh, by the way, shout out to the Native Americans in Arizona, because if you all saw how those, uh, how, how, how they straight went over the top. So... And, and let's and let's put a fine point on that. The Navajos teep me Navajos. creep me in their teepees. Yeah, the Navajos, uh, the nation, um, eighty-five thousand registered voters on the on the Navajo. Uh, of those, seventy-six thousand uh, voted. Eighty-nine percent turnout. 
of those 76,000, 74,000 voted for Biden, 2,000 for Trump. And this is after what, what they did, what Trump tried to do to them. And they were like, okay, they did a Stacey Abrams, but, nope. you know, and the lead, the lead is 40,000 in Arizona, 76,000 Navajos. 70, Which means that's them. Yes, all that's them. them. And all our them. brother, O'Shea Jackson, listen, brother, that plan you got, take a couple of days, celebrate. We all in the same fam. And then take that back over. And now we roll with you over to the White House. See, this is about tactic, not strategy. But to quote O'Shea Jackson, uh, I guess it was steady mobbing, wasn't it? Uh, they dropped like Navajos. <laughs> and if you ain't know, Ice Cube got drama, huh? In other words, bruh. You got drama now because you came in a little early, but the Navajos took care of George W. I'm sorry, George W. Bush. What am I saying? Same, well, they're all same, part of white men. Yes, I was gonna say same thing. Same thing, same thing, which is which is also very important. But before we do anything else, Karen, we got to another reason I wore this Aretha was not only for the Detroit homies, but for those black women. Because see, uh, one of my in fact, my best friend in the world, she and her husband are my best friends, Valethia Watkins. She's a professor here at Howard, uh, directs the women's studies graduate program. One of the most brilliant minds we have on the planet right now. Her mother, Gloria, was uh, an election judge in Detroit. And she was down there when that little handful of white nationalists tried to storm the spot and get in. And she was surrounded not only by the elders who go, uh, women like uh, my dear sister, Yasantiwa Blake, Yvonne, uh, uh, Annette Blake here in, uh, in Maryland, who... Uh, goes as an election judge, as an election judge. She said, I was an election poll worker before, but these people outside acting crazy. I understood the important thing to do was what was inside. So, and you know, election judges had to go early in the morning and they keep you in there in Maryland. They had, they got a chance to rotate in Detroit. But listening to uh, uh, Dr. Watkins talk about her mother and talk about how Ms. Watkins has been a judge in a previous election, but then to listen to them talk about how these young people went into uh, becoming election judges, which means now they understand how that process works. And so when you saw the people who went out to vote, and we'll talk a little bit later about what they were voting for. They were voting for candidates, but they really were voting for electors. We're going to clear up all that stuff about electoral college and what can they do and what they can't do in a minute. But uh, a lot of young people, it wasn't just the things you see on uh, mainstream commercial news entertainment media. It's the people on the inside. And those were black and brown judges, like the young Latina sister who took my registration, checked check me in to vote here in Maryland, who was 19, 20 years old. And so shout out to all those black women, black women, not only like uh, Gloria Watkins in Detroit, not only like Annette Blake here in the DC suburbs, but also, of course, the great Stacey Abrams, who put 800,000 uh, people into the game, along with the women and men who surrounded her. And those are the people who are working in conjunction with the Democratic Party, and also, really, most importantly, for the advancement of Black political power. Just like my, you know, my sister, sister. In other words, and, and your sister as well, of course, Karen uh, Ajwa Batme Azmoa. Ajwa has been working nonstop, and she was one of her things was getting this turnout, and that meant that meant the fraternities and sororities, that meant the churches, that meant all these people in the South who got Georgia close enough to tip. So Ajwa is in that. Same army with Stacey Abrams and them. And then, of course, we have to mention the fact that, um, hey, bro, DT, baby. Remember how you talked about Abby uh, Phillip? Yasmin, I sent, uh, Yasmin, uh, uh, Yamisha, 
Yeah. Remember how you talk smack about April Ryan and Maxine Waters, calling them all kind of names and dumb and stupid? Remember when you told LeBron and them, calling and taught them brothers in the NFL, sons of bitches? Remember that, Orange Boy? I'm going to tell you right now, just off the insult to black people, we're going to get through the politics and what comes next. But all you Negroes out here talking about they all the same party, I'm going to tell you right now, somebody talking about my mama, your ass getting up out the paint, bruh. And I want you. I pray. I pray. <laughs> Especially to those African angels that uh, this fool called. You know when you call African angels, they're not coming to help you, Paula. Come but on. at any rate, wait, wait, uh, including, no, the, including those new ancestors, John Lewis. Called, hold on. She called African angels and South Af South American angels. I'm like, they both brown. Like, how how she thought that was going to turn out? Well, she might have some juice because it looked like they heard her. <laughs> it didn't come out the way she wanted. But, but, but you know, Paula, see, this is what you don't understand. I hope, I'm praying to all them ancestors, all them Orisha, all them Obosun, as they were saying, tree, all those, I'm praying all them that your mans don't leave because he don't know the Constitution anyway. Your term's up, bruh. You ain't even got, in fact, according to the Constitution, you don't even have to come to the ceremony. I want you to stay up in there because here's what happens to the Secret Service at noon on the 20th of January. They become the landlord. So please, <laughs> Please, I'm praying to them Africans who under duress. I'm sorry, Michelle Obama. I'm sorry, sis. But you know, when you say, you know, I never forget that I live in a house that was built by slaves. My house wasn't built by slaves. That house was built by prisoners of war in a death camp. And I don't call them slaves. I know what you meant. So no harm, no foul. But that ain't nothing necessarily to be proud of because some of them same Africans showed the British in 1814 how to burn the place when they showed up. So guess what? I'm praying to them too because I'm sure nobody would love more for Donald John Trump to stay in there till 1201 January the 20th. I'm sure nobody would love more than uh, the brothers and sisters who worked in that place, who built that place. I hope that I hope I hope they freeze you up in there. So some, and I hope that the Secret Service agent that put you out is a couple of them black women I see from time to time when I go to stuff in the service be there. Like when Al Gore was running, I was like, that's a sister. So I said, I know you're on duty, sis, and I know you can't really talk, but I'm just saying, it's good to see you on that side. Now, I don't want you pulling that weapon out on no black people. And I saw a little smile come up in the corner of her mouth. But I'm saying, I hope it's one of them sisters put you out. Now that would put the cherry on top, wouldn't you, Ken? <laughs> that would put the cherry. Now, we don't want to be emotional. I mean, but black joy is important. That's why these Negroes is lying, dancing in the polls. <laughs> That's why they done, done all the gifts. And we'll talk about the Avengers thing going around, too, because we got to deal with that. Because, wow. again, an another reason I'm wearing Aretha Franklin is not only for Black women, not only for Detroit, but also because of all of her exhaustive catalog of music. The one that comes to mind this morning, for us, for this afternoon, for, for me anyway, Rock Steady, baby. <laughs> That's what this song is. Let let's, let's call this song exactly what it is. We got to rock steady. This is not the end this is the beginning so take a minute i hear the horns honking this kind of thing but now comes the real work i mean ajamu baraka for example who was a green party candidate organizer decades very good brother revolutionary you know comes down on the side of this is a duopoly they're the same party i get it i understand i understand we'll talk about that too and but he said something you say no matter who wins who, sit, who sits in what he says no matter who sits in the white people's house after the election, that's how what he calls it. He says, we will have to continue to fight for social justice, democracy, and people-centered human rights. That's what we're going to do. 
And today, I hope we're going we're gonna to talk a lot about this 24-month window. We need to now yes. reset the way we think about and think in 24-month increments. And can, I'll say this finally, Karen, and, I'm, and you know, ask you to, to keep helping us reflect on where, where, where we sit right now. Well, I want to say this to you directly, sis. Not only thank you for creating this space and this platform so we can jailbreak and really move out and get this thing reset in terms of the world we're living in, but specifically last week, okay, y'all listening, Karen Hunter texted me about midnight talking about I'm going to be on serious from uh, two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning to five. <laughs> you want to roll? I said, I'm on with rolling. He's on the three. I, I, I'll call you three 30. She rolled two nights last week, four day in the morning and the lines were jammed. Then the next day came back and brought in the dawn, handing it off to Joe Madison. And them. Why? Because this is the platform that lets us understand that we don't have to go for this okie doke because we're going to talk about what they're saying on CNN and Fox and MSNBC too. Because right now they're talking on CNN and them, I'm sure, they, what they were talking yesterday. Reconciliation. Nah, chief. Mm -hmm. Nah, baby. Especially you, uh, Rachel, you brilliant, sis. 55% of your people, women, voted for Trump. <laughs> Let's be clear. If only white people were voting, we'd be out here trying to figure out why Walmart and them stopped selling all the guns and ammunition because from what I've been reading, at least a third of the people who have bought guns in this last few months Black were first-time gun purchasers. So let's yeah. be clear. They, they rolling up the guns and ammunition. Not that there's going to be a little lightweight beef, but as my man Vincent Hughes, state senator in Pennsylvania, said the other night, he said, I don't think they really want to roll up in Philly talking that because, you know, we got Negroes that want all the smoke. I mean, he, he didn't say it that way, but he said, I don't think y'all want to come to Philadelphia because, of course, he's an elected official, has to maintain a certain decorum. But the bruh is from Philly. So what he was saying without saying is, I think y'all better keep them Trump flags at home when y'all lose this election. But let me pause there. Karen, what do you think we're looking at at this moment? I mean, how how you feeling? What you what you thinking? Hold on. Let me uh just play this a little bit. Come on, come on. We need to pause, right? <laughs> come on. Yes. Yes. Had to hear it. Yeah. What it is. What it is, what it is, what it is. So, um, as you were talking, I'm going to just pause Ms. Aretha for a second. And thank you for uh, reminding us, you know, because the joy, the joy that I want to feel, my mama called me, you know, everybody called, texting, and they're happy. And I'm like, this is how we got here. Right. We're not doing this. We're not doing this again. We're not going to go crying on television about how now America. Ha no. Mm -hmm. No. No, no, she's still the same. The fifty-five percent of white women and most of the white men and all of their children and and the system that is still corroded from the inside and cancerous. Black people saved America again from itself. Well, black people saved themselves. America true, true, true. still out on America. That's true. <laughs> that's, that's true. And it was it was transactional and it was self-preserving. And I, for the last, if, even last week, for me, last week being on the air was not really about being on the air to watch, to see what was going on, it was about planning. So what I've done in the last week is put together a, a mini coalition of educators, a mini coalition of tech people, a mini coalition of, of folk that uh, know how to organize, 
you know, and I'm reaching out and I'm putting the pieces together because now the work begins. We have two people in office potentially, but we have to make them do what it is we need to get done. And I'm glad for all of the plans, but I'm more grateful, Dr. Carr and others, that there were plans since we got here, even in bondage, even after bondage, there have been plans. So let's, you know, have a committee come together and take the first best three to five to 10 points from those plans and then put in the action plan. Because what I saw with Stacey Abrams, who after she lost, she said she sat shiver for 10 days. Hmm. And then she started plotting, not planning, plotting. Right. And she got busy. 800,000 new voters in Georgia. The margin is less than 5,000 in Georgia with a with a stealing lion ass Republican sent uh, senator, uh, excuse me, governor and, and sen- secretary, of state. secretary of state and senator that he appointed. Yeah. yeah. Georgia. Stacey Abrams. Not alone, though. There were plenty of women. Uh, Latasha Brown. You know, there, there's so many men and women who are, you know, because you have to have people out there. Stacey brought it all together. Yes. You know, yes. And, and so everyone gets credit. And we, we put it on her because primarily you can have as many plans as you want, many people out there as you want. But if somebody's not putting the plugs into the socket, right. give us the electricity that we need to, to make things happen. And she's not done. Oh, no. So, and we're In not. Fact, this is where this is when it gets interesting. This is right. when it gets interesting. I mean, Jamie Harrison the other night in South Carolina in his uh, understandably overly too gracious concession yeah. to Lindsey Graham. And by the way, I, I hope that Lindsey Graham and and and, um, and Mitch McConnell too, specifically, I hope they live long lives. I hope they complete their entire terms because those old men, those old white nationalists are going to be have a front row seat to the end of their way of life. Um, and, and, and so I, I'm looking forward to watching them shrivel and and as the as as their political death precedes whatever physical death we will all face, I'm looking forward to them um, really realizing that they took their best shot. And make no mistake, everybody. To date, it could get a lot worse. But because we really don't know history, that's why we study. I mean, the future. That's why we study the past to get a sense of the rhythms, so that we can make tactical, strategic adjustments to get what we want. But no one can predict completely the future. Although, you know, with global warming, again, this wasn't just about Trump. This wasn't just about race. This wasn't just, this is about literally the potentially or potentially the future of the species. If you've seen what happened in Fiji, if you saw what happened in Fiji the other day, you saw the leaders of some of these countries saying, okay, when y'all coming back to the Paris Climate Accord? And yes, the Paris Climate Accord is absolutely not enough, but leaving it, is not the right direction. And the first two years, the first 24 months of Biden-Harris, we'll probably not see a Democratic majority that can enable that legislation that even that Congress, uh, the House of Representatives passed earlier this year. Why? Because let's say that Raphael Warnick and let's say that John Ossoff win their runoffs in, uh, in January. By the way, Black folk and everybody else who's voting for the right side runoffs are important now we know the drop off between now and january but it looked like everybody moving to georgia now and we'll talk about money and why money is great but cindy hyde smith won in mississippi this old weak unreconstructed uh, <laughs> the littlest rebel 
in other words, to, to borrow Shirley Temple and put that label right on her Skeletor looking behind, she won and she only had $3 million she raised. Now, Mike Espy raised $9 million and still didn't beat her. And then she says, only thing better than beating Mike Espy once was beating him twice. Shout out to Nancy Pelosi. Why? You're useless. So I know you were on the phone with your, with your moderate friends talking about all oh, this Black Lives Matter and this radical talk. Now, y'all be careful now. We don't want, okay, go on, keep, keep chasing Hillbilly Jim. But Nancy, shout out to you for not doing Black media enough. Shout out to you for not coming out and really, shout out to you for trying to walk the fine line because they coming for you. Corey Bush coming out of Missouri, sis, in a minute. And guess what? My man, hey, come on. Look, <laughs> I ain't mad. Look, Hakeem Jeffries, bruh, let's be clear. Your brother, your uncle is my man. Your brother is my man. And you're a good brother. But don't be following Nancy Pelosi over the cliff. Understand that this next 24 months, what y'all can't do is think you dump money in a race and win. As you said, we told you, Brian, them, you got to go on the ground and go door to door. That's the Ella Baker tradition. That's the Fannie Lou Hamer tradition. Ain't no reason Mississippi shouldn't have flipped by now. But it's coming. It's coming. Cindy, you can't beat them just by writing a check to Mike Espy, which, by the way, you did late as hell because it should have been Charles Booker running against Mitch McConnell. But y'all want to prop up some hillbilly looking for three other hillbillies that have sworn to God and three other white men that they're going to vote for Donald Trump but told the pollster that they were going to vote for Joe Biden. It ain't the Bradley effect. Forget Tom Bradley's politics. Take that black man's name off that. You know what it is? The white nationalist effect. They lied to y'all again. Nate Silver, shout out, bro. But at any rate, you didn't get no money to Charles Booker. You put late money in on Mike Espy. You put late money. You didn't put no money really in on the brother who was running in uh, the, the mayor of Baton Rouge. So Nancy and all y'all, your day is done. Now, I know some people saying, oh, that's that's you're talking about hope in the Democratic Party. You're not talking about hoping it. Well, y'all Negroes, we're going to talk about this sister in a minute. Betty Lou Hamer. We're going to talk about this sister in a minute. Ella Joe Baker. In other words, if y'all think that's what that is, y'all need to go back to school. In fact, just stick around for a couple, a couple of minutes. But at any rate, what's going to happen in the next 24 months? Stacey Abrams and uh, Jamie Harrison going to have some decisions to make. Because, see, the governor's race in South Carolina is in 24 months. I'm watching Jamie Harrison swallow his, you know, tongue and say some nice things about this overt white nationalist who think that he can somehow police where black people go in South Carolina. Boy, you better go back and read about 1739, the Stono Rebellion. You better go read about Denmark Vesey in Charleston before you start bucking up with your little sloppy melting away before our very eyes ass talking about, oh, you can't go, you can go anywhere in South Carolina as long as you conservative. Okay, bruh, you got six years to melt away. And in two years, in 24 months, Maybe Harrison runs against your friend, the governor. And maybe in those 24 months, what we've done on the ground is continue to organize in Charleston, continue to organize in Columbia, continue to organize in those black communities. And next door in Georgia, Frank Kemp, your thief, your illegitimate sitter in the, in the house, you know, got that COVID and sent off for a mail-in ballot and dropped it in the box even though you stole the election from Stacey Abrams two years ago, but guess what, 24 months from now, I don't think you want to see that sister. I don't want to, I think, and guess what? Congratulations, Kamala Harris. Congratulations, sis. By the way, Callie, you know your first order of business? Is it going to be Maxine Waters? Is it going to be Barbara Lee? Is it going to be Karen Bass? Which woman 
do you put in the seat that the junior senator from California is getting ready to vacate? In other words, y'all talking about this is not about Avengers, Gifts, and Joe Biden. Man, come on. This is politics. Oh, by the way, shout out to LA. I was talking to my friends, uh, Black Lives Matter LA, uh, co-founder Melina Abdullah, my very good friend. She's out there organizing her her, her daughter, Sandy Way, is a freshman at Howard. Uh, and, and, and Melina is a, is, a, is a Howard alum. And an AKA. In other words, you could be all these things at the same time and also a revolutionary. And guess what they did, Karen? Karen, <laughs> you got to love our people. These black people in LA, these black and brown people in LA, said Jackie Lacey got to go. Guess what? Jackie Lacey is black woman. But she was the Los Angeles uh, district attorney endorsed by giving up to $10 million by the police unions because and got a reputation for locking up black people, for coming down hard on black people. The guy now in there now, Garcon, he called the night after the election and called Molina and them, BLM LA. Today is Saturday. They got a meeting scheduled Sunday. He said, I know who put me in this office. They drummed Jackie Lacey out and put a district attorney in ran on a pledge i'm going to repurpose these resources and the police will get out your neighborhood but here's the thing i was laughing about karen i was talking to them the other night melina said i can't take credit for this because it started in, in the communities but once we found out about it we put all our resources in. and by resource I ain't talking about money i'm talking about legs and arms and walking and talking and sitting with and coming in the community and being in the community already and, and gaining awareness she said we went out and we having conversations with the crips and the bloods and we asked them what they were going to do voting. And it's like, well, you know, all the politics. No, 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 no. You see them police over there? Who on this ballot got more say in how they mess with y'all? Oh, it's the DA. Karen, the Crips and the Bloods who could, organized, strolled to the polls, and voted against Jackie Lacey. Uh, <laughs> so all y'all out here talking about, oh, it don't matter. You better get to the nitty gritty of the people who do the living and dying in our society. It's nice to talk about revolutionary cosplay when you're sitting in your house and you ain't got to worry about it, but your cousin and them need a stimulus check, need some unemployment benefits extended. Yeah. Your cousin, so what we now have to bang on Biden and Harris is, and I love how Linda Sarsour said, our sister Linda Sarsour, and uh, the other night, you know, listening to uh, Linda, and of course, you know, listening to all the people, and remember now, after Trump got elected, the Women's March was the biggest thing going. And that was black and brown women. That was non-white women. Then they get halfway through and decide they're going to get rid of them. So listening to Tamika Mallory, shout out to Tamika and them, saying, you know what? I'm weary. I'm tired. I don't trust these allies. They showed us who we are again, but we stayed the course to this stage. And we right. must always remember, as Linda Sarsour said months ago, we want our best opponent in the White House. In other words, we want the people in the White House who we can use to move forward on our local and state level agendas yeah. better than others. And this fool they got, they, well, that they have in there now, by the way, we'll talk about that as well, because we got to get to January. It's going to be a whole lot of foolishness yeah. between here and January, but we succeeded. So just want to name some of those people. I just want to remind people who live in Georgia, as far as the runoffs, you can still help people register to vote for this runoff. And there may be two runoffs, probably two runoffs. You can still register to vote for the runoff. You can still register to vote. There's early voting as well. Uh, what we've seen in this election, early voting, the ballots, the mail-ins made a difference. 
this is uh, historic from, from that standpoint. I've never had an opportunity to look at a ballot and research each and every candidate. Usually I get to the polling place and I'm looking, I'm like, I don't even know who half these people are, you know, because you're so busy doing things. You know who you're gonna vote for the Senate and the governor, you know who you're gonna vote for president if it's a presidential election. But I got to vote for the school board, I got to vote for my city council and research every single person. And it taught me that this has to be the way forward for all of us, that we need to vote informed, know what we're doing, and also know what the, the process is. And many of us got a civics lesson that we never knew we needed, and we needed it. So it's, I'm, great you know, I'm, I'm glad you said that, Karen, too, because we saw that in Michigan. The, the point you're making right now, well, two points. The first point you made is the point right now in terms of tactics. If you're not registered in Georgia, register and go to the runoff and vote. No drop off. Increase the number because the hillbillies are, are wounded now. And they're going to try to save two people who shouldn't be nowhere near the federal legislature and you have the power to stop that so do that uh that's the, as you said that's really the point but the other thing you mentioned in terms of being able to research the candidates we almost got a cautionary tale in that in michigan there was a black man john james running for the united states senate james was leading in michigan and it was too close anyway he was leading up until those detroit districts came in and flint and them came in but particularly the detroit districts came in at the end. Uh, Gary Peters is the incumbent in Michigan, white dude. A lot of people, I'm convinced, voted based on race, based on who they saw, because uh, James didn't put a lot of GOP. He didn't put a lot of red stuff by his campaign signs. However, if you heard him, he said, I'm behind Trump 2,000%. Say, bruh, I see you. You go out, Tim Scott, Tim Scott. Timmy, you coming up too, baby. But at any rate, John James said, I'm behind Trump 2000%. And he he got he was he was leading up until very late. He was leading the same day voting. Because of course Trump told uh the white nationalists come vote the same day, don't trust the mayor. But as the count started continuing, Peters was inching up, inching up, and just like what happened in Georgia, except by a more comfortable margin because of Detroit, he passed John James. But that's an abject lesson for us. Black folk in Detroit ended up voting for Peters. But I'm sure many black folk in Detroit voted for James because he was black and they hadn't really sat and thought about it. That isn't a question of being uh, stupid. It's a question of now having to do what you just said, which is what? Research. Look at what's in your best interest. Don't take race as a proxy for your best interest. We, can, we must learn that lesson. We, we, we're, we're way past the politics of demographics. It's great to have Kamala Harris in, 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 in office. And her voting record is more progressive than they say everybody in the Senate. But you know, I don't know if that how high that bar is, but let's just say that, yeah, she would be the most progressive vice president in American history. That too is a low bar, but that's okay. She's gonna be the most progressive. And we happy. You know, Howard, aka, all oh, that's great, you know. At the same time, although I will say parenthetically, if Stacey Abrams runs, if she runs for governor in 2022, she gonna win. And if she beats, when she beats Brian Kemp, 2024 is the next presidential election. I don't see uh, Vice President Harris having an unobstructed path to the nomination. There are gonna be some primary challenges and one of them might be that Spellman Delta from Mississippi named Stacey Abrams. But that's that's for another day. Rock steady. Because <laughs> between 2024 and 2020, we got 2022. And so Peters was almost defeated. I'm 
almost I'm almost convinced. I mean, obviously we have some time now to think through this and see what happened, look at some exit polls, this kind of thing. But I'm convinced that there were some black people who voted for him based on race. And that was almost a disaster. So what you said is very important, uh, Karen. Another lesson we should take from this is study everybody on your ballot. When the Crips and the Bloods targeted the DA in LA and said, this ain't about knuck if you buck, this ain't no gunfire. This is about harassment in our communities. This is about our communities being safe. And this is an obstruction. They took it way past Biden-Harris. They took it way past. She was the DA in San Francisco. And she, I, 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 what if, what, what's bothering me over here on Crenshaw is you. I'm going to the poll. <laughs> you understand? So thank you for saying that, Karen. We got to study. I also want to thank you for, for coming in at 3 a.m. <laughs> twice. Oh, no, no. That, that's my favorite time of day. Listen, I, I don't want to give you no more work, obviously. Well, we, I say we. Y'all, the lines were full. We had people calling in from every. Karen, that was an absolute joy. Thank you for inviting me because then four day in the morning, I like that time of day because ain't nobody calling your house. Ain't nobody trying to ask you to get on no Zoom call for no meeting. I don't have no class. I'm reading or I'm studying. And then and then on the second day, y'all, yeah, let me just talk about that for one second because on. it's going to train everything we do henceforth. Mm -hmm. Michael Harriet came in and I had been, you know, watching his brother on Twitter because he gives history lessons, you know, in Twitter form. Yes. And, you know, 240 characters at a time. It's a brilliant right. thing that he does. Yes. TheRoot.com, of course, he's a he's a writer columnist there as well. Yes. So I asked him about his experience uh, being homeschooled. And what he said about that has, when you talk about jailbreaking the universities, Yes. This, this is so big, so much bigger than that. So I want to shout him out for giving me more work. I appreciate it because <laughs> it set me down a rabbit hole to, to figure out how we duplicate what his mama did for he and his siblings. Yes. And I want you to just talk a little bit about that, because I think what he said in terms of how he learned, even from the center of the house, being the center with the books, all of that. Everyone listening right now, who have, if you have children, even if you were going to send them to these raggedy ass schools and every school out there is raggedy as hell, public, okay. mm -hmm. white or black, because it misinforms us yes. and doesn't center us in, in, in history, math, social sciences or anything. Right. So that's yes. important. But how his mother thought about her children. She wasn't a teacher. She went to work, came home and they better had done the studies. Come to on. the point when when she when they begged to go to school, he yes. finally went to school at age 12. He got put in a gifted class and was the only black person there. Come on. And he was like, I know I'm not the smartest kid in my neighborhood, not the smartest that but why am I the only black kid? Because his mother centered blackness in that home and made them teach themselves, which is what you talk about. So I want to everybody that's like, I wish I could take Dr. Carr's class and you know, what do I need to do to, to educate myself like this? Michael Harry, his mama had the blueprint. Dr. Carr has the blueprint. And I just want to thank you because that three-way conversation that we had where I was mostly just sitting back and listening and asking questions like I do here was, it, it confirmed a lot of what we do every single Saturday here. So I just wanted to say thank you to him thank you, watching and listening and thank you to you for, for being present. Oh, no, I, I was listening, Karen. I was so happy to be there when you said Mike was coming. I'm like, this is great because, you know, um, I've been very, and I'm not alone, been very critical of the root over the years. There's a certain in black kind of public facing 
writing and reading work, there's a certain contempt for black culture and black history. There's a certain attempt to trivialize it. And the root for a long time in my estimation, and for those who don't agree, perhaps we can schedule some time, another time to have a conversation because I want all that smoke, all of it. But at any rate, um, you know, I was very, and then, you know, there was this whole thing they would take, I guess there was a Washington Post bottom and then, you know, and then just, so there, there was this kind of black, but not deep black. But then when, when, when Mike Harriet gets involved, what you see is somebody who has a razor whip. So you're not going to come for him unless you prepare. And even then you really don't know how deep he gets until you in it. So let's be clear. So he has all the jokes, all the shade, all the stuff make you laugh, laugh. Like you said, a master of Twitter, master of that 240 characters, but also a deep base of historical knowledge, a humility, and and these are all the best characters, uh, char uh, the, the best characteristics of anyone who wants to learn. Also, the best characteristics of the best teachers. Uh, a, a really understanding. I think he said it too, doesn't he? He said, you know. The more I study, the more people study, the more they realize what they don't know. So I always watch them cats that are talking like, yeah, this is what it is. Or y'all don't know it. Okay. Clearly, you haven't studied enough to realize that it's so much more complicated most of the time. So he has all those qualities. And as he's writing, it's accessible. You, can, you find all the points of entry. And then he takes you into a direction and then leaves you there to think for yourself. A master of irony as well. So I'm loving it. I'm loving. And, and, and there are some others out there, others who um, have fairly, fairly high profiles in kind of white media and places like that who attempt that thing. But, you know, as uh, as, as old folks used to say, you know, everybody ain't able. So, <laughs> you know, but Mike Harriet is able. And so in that conversation we were having, and I'll keep it, keep it short, you know, you were asking him about growing up, you were asking him about homeschooling, he was talking and you were asking about being in you know, South Carolina, this kind of thing. And it occurred to me, I was talking to a brother who's a faithful listener uh, through the week for you, Karen, um, serious, um, um, Bernie Gallman, who is a doctor in South Carolina. In fact, I, uh, I talked to Bernie earlier in the week about the politics on the ground. What's going on with Jamie Harrison? I mean, is, is it possible that we might see Bakari Sellers emerge to run? I mean, again, you know, what, what are we, what are we, you know, what's Jim Clyburn thinking, this kind of thing? And so in talking to Bernie, we were talking, we were talking, I said, you know, because I was down at Claflin last November before this plague hit for a meeting of the Association for the Study of Classical African Civilizations. Catherine Adams teaches at Claflin, another of those HBCU master teachers. And so she had, she, she had us meet there on the campus. So I'm there and I had um, brought with me a copy of the history of the Palmetto Education Association, which was the black teachers in South Carolina during segregation. And so Bernie was telling me, oh yeah, we were talking. And he said, you know, my father was a leader in the Palmetto and my grandfather. I said, hold on, Bernie, let me go, I ain't from it. And sure enough, here in this book is uh, uh, Brother Bernie, Baba Bernie Gallman's father is in this book, a picture of him, Professor uh, Professor Gallman. So the other night, uh, morning, when we talking 4.30 in the morning with, with Michael Harriet, talking about that tradition of education that he's, that he, that, that homeschooling tradition, I said, yeah, man, y'all go deep, man. I was talking to Bernie Gallman about it. He said, bro, I sat next to Bernie Gallman at a wedding reception <laughs> in South Carolina. He said, I know the Gallman's well. Those are my friends. And we started talking. And I guess I said all that to say this. The long arc of Black folk teaching their children 
goes back to before the end of the Civil War. This book begins at the end of the Civil War, just like the other dozen history books of the Black teachers associations in the South. This is the Palmetto. This is South Carolina. And Mike says, I got the educators in my family. My auntie is one of the ones that's preserving South Carolina history right now. His mother, in other words, is coming out of a background of people and a culture who always know you teach your own. During Jim Crow, when we didn't have enough schools, when we didn't have the facilities, what many of those teachers did, though, like Septima Clark, for example, out there on the Sea Islands, Esau Jenkins, who drove a bus between the Sea Islands and the mainland of South Carolina, who partnered with Septima Clark and created what became the Citizenship Education Program, which put the wind under what we now know, everything from freedom schools to all that literacy work that happened during the so-called civil rights movement, the long black freedom movement. What we see in South Carolina is that Michael Harriet emerges out of a deep structural tradition of grounding our children in their culture and having the highest expectations. So when his mother convenes a school for he and his sisters in the house with the library, a library, by the way, that she didn't have to acquire immediately, uh, didn't have to acquire from scratch because these books have been in the houses of black people and she's adding to the collection in the center of their house, that is their classroom. And so she says, I'm not turning you over to these white people. And guess what? Until the end of Brown versus Board of Education, our black people didn't have a choice but to be together, but we use that as a foundation. And after Brown, what you then begin to see is these white schools begin to cherry pick the best black teachers out and then eventually backfill them with inexperienced teachers, then white teachers. And now you have our children who are subject to being victimized every day in the schools. But Ms. Harriet said, oh, hell no, not my children. And, they, and she trained them so well. She had them do research so well. She had them learn on their own and learn collectively so well that, oh, by the way, the way he slipped in Sunday school. See, that's how we used to do it before enslavement. Sunday was the day where we let you Negroes pray to a white guy. What y'all doing? We just singing out here. Okay, y'all ready? Here we go again. A, B, C, D, E. Oh, here we go. Is he gone? Yeah. D, E, F, G. Sunday school. Read James Anderson's book, The Education of Blacks in the South. Sunday school was what they turned it into literacy. And Mike then experienced the next iteration of Sunday school. Now, I'm sure just about everybody in there right now know about Vacation Bible School. And we talked about this in a previous, uh, you know, cl in class. So I, I, I won't go into that anymore, except to say that Mike went to Vacation Bible School and his mom was like, you got to learn your times tables. Mike said when he showed up in the school where they put him in the gifted class, he kept doing his multiplication tables. He said he, said he got to 14 and he was, oh, you know, your, and he said, well, they, my mom and them never told me you're supposed to stop at 12. <laughs> so in other words, see, when you're educating a young human being and you don't set a limit, guess what they do? They keep going. So we're going to have a cabinet that's going to be picked by a Democratic administration. These are, this is, these are administrative positions. They are subject to confirmation with the Senate. So these old unreconstructed uh, white nationals are going to try to stop. But let's pause right here. Barack, no more of your basketball playing buddies. Artie Duncan should never have been the Secretary of Education. It needs to be Linda Darling Hammond. Yes. Or it, you know, it needs to be Lisa Delpit. In other words, we got a whole deep bench 
of black women and men who need to be the secretary of education, uh, Mr. Biden. We don't give a damn. This ain't about your head on a on a Captain America gift. Nah, bruh, rock steady. Let's call this song exactly what it is. In other words, here's the list, Chief. Yeah, because as Linda Sarsour said, you're our best opponent now. If you want to be now, Nancy, you start waving that finger and doing our, no, you need to go over there and, and sit down now. Because see, we're not coming here for favors. We're telling you, we're thinking 24 months from now. And we know what you're going to do. Uh, let me let me pause. Let me not say that, Ken. I'm just going to say this very quickly. I'll say it differently. Here's one possibility. One possibility is that nothing gets done in the, in the first 24 months, particularly if that uh, the Senate doesn't flip. And even if it does, because if it goes 50-50, you still got to worry about that cat out of West Virginia who's going to go with the Republicans sometime. You might have to worry about Kelly in Arizona, who's only serving two years because he got to get reelected to a full term. And so you probably have some defections from that 50. So don't don't think about this like it's some kind of football game. No, this is politics. So a lot of what's happening in the next in the first 24 months may be where well, we got to get we got to get the Senate. So. We got to get, and then if black people start, well, you know, maybe they send Senator Harris to say, look, y'all, we just got, you got to help us. You got to organize. Guess what? We're here for all them conversations. But the thing that we not going to be here for is you have executive orders and you got this orange clown before you who set a precedent. So we're going to need all them consent decrees re-entered from the new uh, attorney general with Chicago and, and, and Baltimore and LA. In fact, we're going to need them strengthened. And those cabinet picks, you ain't filling them up with your corporate donor class. No, we're going to start with the Secretary of Education. And once she's in, she's going to go on a national listening tour and she's going to come on the Karen uh, Hunter show and she's going to go talk to Roland Martin and them. And maybe she's going to have Mike Harriet come in and, and, and personalize this question of homeschooling. In fact, she's going to meet with the National Black Homeschooling Association because we've got black homeschooling that goes back over a century and have whole associations. And when she does that, and she's going to meet with the Chicago Teachers Union. She's going to meet with the, and we're going to talk about how to reform the teachers unions. This is all working together, but none of it would have been started if you black people hadn't strolled to the polls and put your best opponent in the White House. I don't know who these people are who think somehow you think that strategy ends the day the election is over. No. So yeah, Mike Harriet, that was that was a blessing, Karen. And a point of entry. I can't wait to see what you do next with him, because that brother is a, it's a good brother. And I'm, I'm glad we had a conversation, beginning conversation the other day. So so take us on this this journey, what now? Right? Mm -hmm. Um and let's, you know, take a day or two or or ten if we need to, but sure. I think ten is too long to to rest and breathe, Yes. but we now need to do something. You already started it. Secretary of Education, I wrote it down. We're gonna put the candidates on. We're gonna run it. Come on now. The consent decrees, I wrote that down. What, what else should we be doing between now and January? And before we get to that, this period is very, very crucial. It is very, it could be potentially very volatile. The, yes. the time between Trump actually admitting, I don't think he's ever going to admit that he lost. He's going to be filing lawsuits between now and January 21st, 20, right. they come usher him out. That's but right. he also has still the nuclear codes. He also still has the ability to be able to burn a whole lot of ish down between now and January 20th. That's right. What should we be watching for there? And what should we be doing, we, us, to yes. make sure we shore up our power? 
That's very good, actually, Karen. In fact, I, I thank you, sis, because you know that pause that we talked about last week that you you kind of conceived. We need to take a pause, even in conversations like this. We pause because we we already just in these few minutes we've been together today. We put a lot out there, and so you know it isn't all in sequence. But that twenty-four month thing is very important. But even that is an eternity based on, like say, take a day, take 10 days. We can maybe necessarily can afford to take 10 days, but in this moment, pause. Let's pause because this is the moment when in the struggle we're in, those who want to use this momentum for their agendas will try to frame the agenda. I'm not talking about the white nationalist party and be careful because, yeah, they're going to strap up. They mad now. They crying. They praying. They looking at the and we're talking about a society now that has been sliced and diced literally to the individual. I mean, what was that documentary? A documentary. What kind of documentary? It was on Netflix, the social. Um, you were talking about it, the social something, not social network. But anyway, I watched it. You know, everything we have is now being curated individually. So these people, they didn't send a QAnon nut to the yeah. federal legislature out of Georgia. You know what I'm saying? They, they're watching Fox right now and Fox is trying to spin it, but Fox is also creating space for the white nationalist party to come in and now say to their addled, molting, signing pen, it's time for you to go. We've used you now. We got our judges, we got our tax cuts, and now we're going to pretend like we were shot, like that scene in Casablanca when the police chief is there saying there's gambling going on in here. And the guy, I'm shocked, shocked, just as the guy from the uh, gambling table brings him his winnings. <laughs> in other words, <laughs> so uh, Mitt Romney, shout out to you, you profile and courage. Uh, Susan Collins, yeah. Oh, Lisa Murkowski, yeah, sis, you coming up too. All of them are going to be shocked now. They're going to be outraged at Trump. Not when they could have voted him out and got everything they wanted from smiling Mike Pence who, unlike Trump, actually believes that S. <laughs> but at any rate, no. So the, the, so Fox, even now, is going to shift to act like, yeah, all except the, the, the fringe crew. You know. well, well, the fringe group has a plan, because, you know, the original plan of Trump was not to be president. He never thought that was going to happen. It was to start a media company with Roger Ailes in them, right? Yes. And that was the plan to start a, a anti or a comp competition to Fox. So I suspect Tucker Fucker Carlson, uh, the other the other chick that says shut up and dribble. I'm not even gonna speak her name. Don't even. All of them, all of them are going to probably abandon it, maybe even Hannity, and go over to probably the new media company that Bannon and everybody's going because Bannon actually, you know, is is a founder of a media company. He's, he's, mm -hmm. you, know, you know, he just got banned from uh, Twitter for uh, for his podcast where he said every Biden. What did he say that? that what did he Fauci. say? He said his head should be on Biden and the uh, Ray, Fauci. Christopher Ray. Yeah. Fauci, I'm sorry. Fauci and Christopher Ray should be on spikes, their heads yeah. outside of the White House. Yeah. He said that out of his mouth on a podcast in America. Okay. And like you said, Karen, I'm glad you said it. We should put a footnote there. Don't be surprised if they get, try to get rid of Fauci between now and January. Can they? He's a, a, a civil servant. Can no, they but, they, but like I said, that's why they, like I say, try. Okay. I mean, I don't know what the process is for an administrative head, but it could very well be that they can. I mean, again, these are the people who, when the lease ain't being renewed, tear everything up. 
these are the people that tear up the rental car before they take it back to the airport. <laughs> so you gotta you gotta really work. But but you okay, so so that's interesting, Karen. So yeah, they may break off. And in fact, you're right, that was the original plan. He didn't want to be president. That's why he was looking at it like he lost his last friend as in returns was coming in. But the first thing we should do is pause to 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 see that. That they're gonna try to pivot now and hide. But let's set aside the well. Let's hold out for a second the white, the, the overt white nationalists. Now let's come back to the soft white nationalists because a lot of white people, majority, in fact, the last time a majority of white voters in this country voted for a Democrat was Lyndon Baines Johnson. So, you know, neither of us were able to vote. Both of us weren't even school age. The last time a white person, a white electorate in this country voted for a Democrat. So, that having been said, let's set aside the overt white nationalists and go to the soft nationalists, the Democratic Party. <laughs> so, I mean, again, see, y'all thought, oh, yeah, yeah, but no. See, the problem with talking like this before November 3rd is that y'all going to run out here in traffic and get our people run over in the street. <laughs> now that we're past November 3rd, this is tactics. Now we can talk intelligently because we got a lot of non-black and brown people who are with humanity and you got a lot of brown and black people who are still need to be brought into the fact that you are out here running in the traffic and don't understand so we need to pause right now and understand that those who needed those votes but who aren't down with the full agenda are going to now try to weave it together like we all the same that's why this thanos avengers endgame thing that, that came up people saw daddy card you see that yeah i saw it but y'all know I read comic books, and I and I done seen all the Avengers movies and Endgame. Oh, let's be very clear: Thanos is a Trump avatar in that in that Endgame. But that empire and army he's he was leading is the white voters of the United States. So if you want to make this up, first of all, don't make this into a morality play. It's not good versus evil, as John Clark, the historian, used to say. In some stories, it ain't no good guys. So yeah, Trump is easy as an avatar of Thanos. So you see him sitting there. But that army with him, a lot of them cats is cast to say they're your friends. Now, on the other side, Joe Biden is Captain America in some of y'all's mind. But if you want to be clear about who Captain America was, if you're going to have this as a good versus evil battle, that's Sam Wilson, the Falcon. In other words, if you got to put a man in front of it or a woman in front of it, they got Stacey Abrams coming out. Put Stacey Abrams' face on there. Put Kamala Harris face on there. But Joe Biden, we propping Joe Biden up. He ain't got no Thor hammer. He ain't got no piece of Captain America's shield. And his coalition is one of necessity. So when you see Nancy Pelosi flying out, now take her face off that. You ain't with us. Not like that. When you see Andrew Yang coming down, you know, he's a sorcerer. Let me be very clear about what Andrew Yang said on CNN. Okay, on CNN yesterday. Andrew Yang talking about reconciliation. He said, we have to reach out. See, when you hear the word reconciliation, folks, you should automatically pause and say, y'all not our friends. Reconciliation was the phrase that Ulysses S. Grant ran for camp campaign for president in 1870. Ulysses S. Grant was the winning general in the Civil War. And Ulysses S. Grant said, I am campaigning on a camp uh, on a platform of reconciliation we must reconcile with the south Frederick Douglass was like what happened to reconstruction <laughs> reconciliation it's 1870 
You understand? Now, when Grant is elected, they go after the Klan. They found the Department of Justice, in fact. So you see progressive stuff, stuff that's very important. That's near the beginning of Reconstruction. But people usually date Reconstruction in the United States from 1867 uh, or 8 through 1877. It didn't even last to 1877. That disputed election of 1877, where South Carolina, Louisiana, and Florida refused to certify electors, and they threw it into the House of Representatives, and the Congress made a deal to give Rutherford B. Hayes the presidency and the Republicans if they would finish taking the rest of the troops out, out of the South, and Jim Crow then hits like a, like, a, like, a, like a damn mountain black people. That was a betrayal. But Grant, the previous president, had laid the foundation for it by saying, we must reconcile. So Andrew Yang, take his face off of any Avengers in-game gift. Because on CNN the other day, he said, we have to, you know, basically put nationalism before our interests. In other words, he says, you know, you see Joe Biden come out. Uh, Joe Biden had on a purple tie. It's not red. It's not blue. Barack, bruh, <laughs> ambitious as hell, smart, know how to calculate. Your man, my man, Jeremiah Wright, sell him out at the right moment. I get it. I'm never going to be a Barack Obama fan, but I understand some of y'all worship Barack Obama. But in, in 2004, when he stood at in Boston and said, there are no red states and blue states. There's only the United States. Yeah. And then here come Joe Biden, uh, two-time, get body, never get to be president of the United States, run again. Barack Obama passed him in the fast lane. He gritting his teeth. Because as he's passing me saying, well, I like Barack. He's the first bright, clean, articulate Negro to run. Damn, you unbuckle your belt and do that to Jesse Jackson? <laughs> Come on, we know who you are, Joe. Yesterday's man. We know who you are. So at any rate, when you see then Barack Obama in 2004 and then Joe Biden, there's no red states and blue states. They're United States. Nah, bruh. It's black. It's white state. It's white people voting against you and the rest of us voting our interest to put you in and after it you can put on a purple tie you can put on a red and blue stripe tie i'm not looking at the tie pause i'm not looking at the gifts pause i'm not listening to cnn shout out van jones i'm not listening to uh-oh wait car car i can't hear you you, did you just did oh. you just mute yourself? Okay, thank you. Go yeah, ahead. I'm not listening to Definitely. any of these commentators. I'm not even listening to the ones who, once it was clear that Biden was going to win, found a woke voice again. Because I know y'all got to do that. That's why we got. That's why this platform is so important. That's why independent black media is so important. You don't have to get in the space and know that your courage increases as the poll numbers increase. I understand why you got to do that. And I'm not mad at you. I've been in them spaces before. And you know, that's why you, sometimes you got to make choices in life. But what I'm saying wait, is- Wait, pause, pause. We should be mad. This should be the time Talk to, to us, line in the sand. You do not get to legitimize somebody, call them presidential, meet with them, give them legitimacy, and then flip Santorum, and then flip Van Jones, and we and we we need to call them out because when we don't, then they get to ride off into the sunset and keep dancing and repeating. And then also because we don't say anything, white people think that that's okay. That's true. The that hired them. The white people who tell me, "Oh, can we get Van Jones on Urban View?" That was asked, <laughs> and I said, "If that happens, 
I won't be here. Ooh. Yeah, that's how strongly I feel about it because it's a very clear, for me, very clear, there's no middle. You can't be lukewarm in this, what this is. And it's fine. You can have them on your airwaves. That, that They're not mine. Do what you want. Sure. But I can't be here co-signing that. God bless him. I don't wish him any harm. But I right. can't co-sign wishy-washy lukewarmness in this war that we're in, this civil war that was never, ever stopped. I now know that. So I'm very clear about what side I'm on. You cannot be one foot here, one foot there. I'm both sides. Oh, yeah. Guys have good people. Oh, we have to give them a chance. No, you knew what that 70 plus year old man was when he stepped foot, when he surprisingly became president. Right. You knew what right. he was. Right. And, no and, you knew, and you knew that that first step legislation didn't originate with him. And and, and, and if we're going to go there, how many clemencies? 35? Come on. Arpaio and freaking Roger Stone. Come Obama on. did 350 on his last day. That was a record. Obama no did more clemencies and pardons in his one presidency than the previous five combined. They don't talk about that, but that, that was your reform? Right, right. Anyway. Well, no, Karen, Karen, you know what? Sorry, just... No, 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 no. Please don't apologize. And you all, listen, as y'all, we're listening to each other and we're reasoning together. You're absolutely right. You know, as, as, we, as we, we've gotten to know each other, you know, I am... I'm a lot more conciliatory than a lot of folks because I know what it's like for people to mischaracterize folk. But at the same time, you are absolutely right. You are absolutely right. There is a bright line. As Dr. King said, you know, the measure of a human being isn't where they stand in moments of comfort. It's a moment of controversy. And so, you know, it's real nice. In fact, I'm well, anyway, that's a whole nother story for another day. I'm thinking about the folks who are out here were hoping that Trump got reelected some kind of way, as if that was going to force Black people into a revolutionary posture. That's not how revolutionary works. That's, I mean, if you study history, that's not how it happens. People don't all of a sudden just get woke because they keep getting beat. In fact, the thing people want to do when they're getting beat is stop the beating. Now, now the first thing is stop the stick. That's what you saw today, saw this week in electoral politics. Black people were stopping the stick. We're in the crouch, let's get the hell up out of here, and now let's figure out what to do. So, But you're right about Van. I mean, we're using Van Jones because he's one of the most prominent ones, but he's not alone. And he's a proxy for an entire wave of people who now will be emboldened to talk. So we got to pause now because these people will try to lead you back into the old relationships. The Democratic Party isn't the savior of no one. Black women and black men save themselves. And yes, if we take these statistics that are coming out in terms of exit polling correctly, maybe double the number of black men voted for Trump than black women. But let's be very clear. the two largest groups that voted against Trump were black women followed by black men. So everybody yes. coming on now to try to dig out and then the black, what are we going to do these black men, the black woman? Okay. You too need to go back to school <laughs> now. Cause, cause guess what? If the Republican party were smart, I'm sorry. That's I'm sorry. Let me scratch that. If the Republican party were not now the official home of white nationalism and white supremacy thought, they would realize that on some of these cultural issues, there are deep pockets of, agreement in okay. non-white communities all right so can we have a conversation and no one's listening right um and, and let me listen. let me just say this too um singling out a van jones he's he's a composite 
you know, yes. composite. It's not personal. It's not no. him. And, I, and again, because we speak, it, it is super. It is super important moving forward that we don't do this. But we have no to question. call out no people who do not. It's not even either you're with us or you're against us. Even though right. that is that's biblical. It's, it's <laughs> does it free us? And if it doesn't free us, if your yeah. position in these corporate media spaces is not leading to freedom for us, we need to not support it. It's nice to like people. Y'all like people for different reasons. That's fine. But if they're sitting there not fighting for the things that need to be fought for, for us, if your black face is in that space and you mamsy, pamsy, around people, no, no. And we we give them eyeballs, we're validating that. And that's all I'm saying. Like, let's stop validating things that do not help us. Yes. Yes. In fact, I'm glad you said that because we don't give them eyeballs. Don't give them eyeballs because see a, a black face is the bridge that people walk across to the real white nationalism. I'm white, <laughs> you know, because I mean today they talk they keep talking about Joe Biden and his purple tie. It's white people. Guess what? I don't know who you voted for, and I really don't care because we won our technical fight. Our focus is on what we need, and I'm not listening to you. I'm not listening to you anyway. The only reason I watch you is if a vote count comes in and you got a reporter in there. But anything else, I'm not listening to you. Why? Because I know the narrative. I know what Clyde Taylor in his book, The Mask of Art, calls the master narrative. The master narrative is about America, the white settler state. You want to maintain it. You can't maintain it alone now. Why? Because by 2040, 70% 70% of this country's population is going to live in 15 states. Now, I was thinking it was still in the single digits, but I did some rereading of the census and looked at some of the other work that's been put out. Now, the 16-year-olds and younger in this country are majority non-white, meaning 2024, the next election cycle, federal election cycle, is here, baby. So I know on CNN, y'all trying to hold on. You want to say, well, let's look at the electorate. We are, an e- we are an almost evenly divided nation. There ain't no we. Your people are against our people. You might be for humanity, but your sister is not. And guess what? She brought y'all cousin, which means they outvoted you. So stop saying we. And the Negroes there who then say, yes, we have to. Okay, you now can't be listened to because you didn't stop that conversation. And so, and then the black power people, you know, I'm one of those people, you know, saying, you know, we have to think about black power. Electoral politics is not the game. Go back and read this. Read Stokely Carmichael and Charles Charles Hamilton, a trained political science scientist. Stokely Carmichael was in the field working. They put together a book, Black Power, The Politics of Liberation in America. There's a whole chapter in, in fact, this is my signed copy from Brother Kwame. This is, there's a whole chapter in this book on coalition politics, on black belt election, talking about Mississippi Freedom Democrats, Tuskegee, Alabama, the politics of deference, Dr. Charles Gamillion, look up Gamillion versus Lightfoot, look up the the, the gerrymander piece, it's a piece on the urban folk, but on the urban conditions, but there's a piece called the myth of coalition. But this is about using electoral politics as a tool in a wider war. But I wanted to, let me see, what did I do with, uh, ah, here she is. Here she is. Van Lou Hamer. Mrs. Hamer 
gives us a lesson in how we should be thinking now. Because again, we pause here for a moment. The people who are the talking heads of any background are not bringing you the deeper analysis of for what Black people need to see, not on mass entertainment news media. And notice that when you start talking about framing the history, I don't really bring Black people on. John Mitchell, presidential historian. Douglas Brinkley, presidential historian. Okay, presidents. And now, now they're nervous now. Why? Because since Trump came in, the thing about to be exposed. So, they, yeah, they'll throw Andrew Jackson overboard. Yeah, sure, that's easy. They'll come talk about the Civil Rights Act. But what you don't want to talk about is not presidents, but the movements of people. What Cedric Robinson in his little book, Black Movements in America, called Black Movements in America. That's hard to talk about because what it exposes is there ain't never been no we. And so we have to be very serious about the fact that when we say we, it's a very deliberate exclusion of those who have not been with us. So let me let me let me just talk a little bit about uh, because again, there are a lot of other things that we a lot of directions we could go. Um, and we could talk more about what happens between now and January. We could talk about whatever strategies, because yes, Biden was declared through three seconds before we came into the conversation, but people are worried about the electoral college. You shouldn't. People are worried about these judicial, uh, going to the courts. You shouldn't worry about that. You should be aware of it. But remember, we talked about that last week and the week before. Alito invited the people, the Republicans of Pennsylvania, to come to the leg- come back with their challenge to set aside both votes. But those, pe- those ballots that are coming in now, they're only a thousands of them, not even tens of thousands. Same thing in Wisconsin. So if the Republican legislature tries to say they're going to hold back the electors, no. A close reading of the Constitution doesn't even allow for that. And we can talk about that too as well in terms of electoral college. I mean, if they try it, it well, we'll talk about that in a minute, but let's 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 stay focused. Betty Lou Hamer, this is actually the best book. I mean, there are a couple of biographies of her, but this is my favorite because these are her speeches, the speeches of Fannie Lou Hamer, to tell it like it is. So you see Miss Hamer there, that's her testifying in 1964 in Mississippi Freedom Democrats. By the way, third party politics or independent party politics. We should have a dozen parties in this country. That doesn't mean that if we get to the point in an election in 2022, 2024, 2026, eight, that if there's still just DNR and for the foreseeable future, that's what it's gonna be for the broad elections. You use the party that you put together, which we talked about last week and the week before and over and over again. Use the party that you're organizing with to put the candidates in that D column or R, or if you got a sensible R that you can figure out how to way to invade that white nationalist party like a Trojan horse to advance your interest. But that wasn't a conversation for September and October, Diddy and Cuban. And I mean, it just wasn't because this series business, we, we no time now for entertainers doubling as policy analysts. So let's just get that out of the way. But Ms. Hamer, Ms. Hamer was part of the Mississippi Freedom Democrats. And I put, I, pulled, I, pulled, I looked at a couple of the speeches. I wanted to emphasize rather a couple of the speeches. In, uh, and by the way, I'm just gonna show you the table of contents because people freeze Fannie Lou. In fact, the CNN crowd, the white media crowd freezes Ms. Hamer with her hands clasped, taking on the Democratic Party in 1964 and say, this is where black folks came into democracy and changed. Yeah, you know Fannie Lou Hamer still lived after that day, right? And you know, you know, and most of the speeches in here are after that day, right? So here's one she gave December 20th, 1964. Let me see if I can get it over here. 
I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. The famous, that speech was delivered with Malcolm X at the Williams Institutional CME Church in Harlem, December 20th, 1964. That's after the Democratic National Convention. In fact, that's one of my favorite Fannie Lou Hamer speeches because she's with Malcolm, but that night, oh, by the way, there are people saying Malcolm X voters. I understand, that's all good. You gotta do that, I'm with you on it, 100%. Malcolm X spoke and big up Fannie Lou Hamer said, Ms. Hamer is a hero. And guess who came with Fannie Lou Hamer that night? The SNCC singers. And the SNCC singers debuted a song where it said, uh, we went down to the peach tree manor to see old Ginga, old Dinga. <laughs> the police said, what's the matter? To see old Ginga, old Dinga. <laughs> the police, he looked mighty hard at old Ginga, old Dinga. <laughs> he got scared cause he was a ex mile mile. Oh, he, oh, Ginga, oh, Dinga. Then the chorus goes, oh, Dinga, oh, Dinga, oh, Dinga, oh, Dinga, oh, Dinga, oh, Ginga of Kenya. Who? And then they say, oh, who, who, Ha! Freedom now. And then in the second chorus, they say, uh, what do you say? Oh, oh, Ginga says to the cop, the white cop. He says, Oginga said, look -a here, what's going on down in Selma? If you white folks don't straighten up, I'm gonna call your Mo Kenyatta. Who? Oginga Odinga. Oginga Odinga was a representative of the Kenyan government under or with Jomo Kenyatta, the first prime minister of independent Kenya. The SNCC singers were part of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. The second SNCC, really, the first SNCC was the Southern Youth Negro Congress. Well, we had to talk about them in a minute with Du Bois. Because Du Bois, remember we talked about, well, I don't know if you remember this. We talked about this early on in the summer. Du Bois, this is Freedom Ways Magazine. In 1948, Dr. Du Bois gave the closing talk to uh, the Southern Negro Youth Conference. He was at Benedict College, South Carolina, in the chapel, and it's called Behold the Land. The first thing Du Bois says is the future of the American Negroes is in the South. Shout out to Du Bois 1948, speaking to 2020, Georgia. But they published it uh, in 1964, the same winter 1964 that Fannie Hamer is with Malcolm X and the SNCC singers, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, wrote a song called Ogingo Odinga because the independent African countries taking their independence, were they re who reached out to them? The Soviet Union. Who reached out to them? China. Who reached out to them? The United States. All trying to compete because they want what those Africans are walking on. They want the natural resources. And so the United States comes and says, yes, we want to be your friends. We want to be with democracy. By the way, this may seem like it's not connected, but remember the primary portfolio of the president of the executive is foreign policy. So let's be very clear. All the domestic issues we have, Biden-Harris, if they behave like Obama, Biden, and every other Democratic administration, they're going to go into Africa and mess with the wrong people. They're going to keep propping up this fool, uh, Juan Guaido and them people in Venezuela, whose cousins and them put two Congress people out on the Democratic side in South Florida, which is why Nancy Pelosi is against Venezuela too, and don't want you talking about it because she's trying to keep her... Uh, anyway, <laughs> he, Harris Biden on foreign policy? 
they're not going to be progressive when it comes to Africa, the Caribbean, and Latin America unless we force them. And even when you push them, they're not going to do it because they got corporate donors who need access to all that. But at any rate, when SNCC was uh, in Atlanta, their headquarters were in Atlanta, Oginga Odinga was one of the Africans who was sent by one of, in one of the African countries to tour the United States because they knew that the United States was lying about race relations because a lot of the continental Africans had either gone to school in the United States, like in Kroma, in Ghana, like uh, 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 um, Nandi in Nigeria. So they knew about Jim Crow and segregation. They had friends there. Or like Dr. King and them, and Kuma invited Coretta Scott King and Martin Luther King to his installation as the first prime minister of Ghana. So they knew that the United States was full of it, but Oginga comes to Atlanta, the minister representing the Kenyan government. He comes in Atlanta, the white mayor is like, this is the city too, too big, to, to, too, too busy to hate. We really don't have those problems here. You know, we, 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 there's some problems in America, but Atlanta is not one of those. Shout out to all them people in 2020 to act like Atlanta is all the way different now, who said it's not black and white, it's green. You're going to need to rethink some of that, even though you got a lot of stuff right, T.I. and Killer Mike and them and John Hope Bryant or Wesley. And I mean, John Hope Bryant, I mean, y'all, I understand it. The color ain't just green, bro. It's called racial capitalism. That's a whole nother conversation for another day. We can do that. But the SNCC folks see that Oginga is coming. So they said, we need to go talk to this cat. But they can't get to him. So they go to a downtown restaurant with a sit-in and get arrested. And after they get arrested and released, they engage in the civil rights struggle. They're going to show, no, segregation is real here. Then they write this song. In fact, the 50th anniversary of SNCC, I was at Shaw University for the 50th anniversary with, with some students. We brought some students down. It's a very important time. Got a chance to spend some time with some of the, these folks, including the Jones guys, Matthew Jones, and who wrote in the Mississippi River, wrote Ogingo Dinga. And I got to hear the story. I got to sit with these cats in the middle of the night and listen to how they created this song. And they say, you know, we went down to the Peachtree Manor to see Oginga Odin. Now, here come the Atlanta police. We got a problem. These Negroes right here about to blow the game. We done passed Brown versus Board of Education. We trying to show the world we making progress on desegregation because we want what's in the ground in Africa. And we can't let these people think that we're looking at them like the same N-words. We looking at these people in the United States. And so, you know, the police, Atlanta, say, what's the matter? We see Oginga Odin. Police looking mighty hard at Oginga Odinga. Why? Then the police got scared because he's an ex-Mau Mau, meaning what? The Mau Mau, the Kenyan Land Freedom Army, were the revolutionaries in Kenya who helped put out the British and put Kenya to end. I went through all that to say this and connected to Fannie Lou Hamer and Malcolm X that night and then the speech. When the SNCC singers sing Ogenga Odinga that night before Fannie Lou Hamer gets up to speak, the, the SNCC singers are drawing attention to the fact that our domestic struggles are part of an international struggle, anti-imperialism anti-hypercapitalism, creating, Kwame Ture was for a united socialist Africa. All of these things that they're talking about. And so then when they have the chorus and they say, Uhuru, Uhuru means freedom in Kiswahili. Then they said, freedom now, which was the motto in 1964 of Freedom Summer. We're not waiting for freedom uh, tomorrow. We're waiting for, we want freedom now. And so what they're doing is connecting themselves to the broader world. America, CNN, MSNBC, people giving speeches, Joe Biden quoting Ella Baker, who we'll talk about in a minute. Y'all want to trap these black people in the red, white, and blue narrative that you're now going to spend the next week or two or three or four or two months or three months or 500 years trying to keep going 
that propaganda narrative, well, we're we're evenly divided. It ain't no way. Miss Hamer, born in Ruleville, Mississippi. She went to Africa shortly thereafter, uh, shortly after she gave this testimony. And she went to Africa, John Lewis, who talked to Malcolm X in Africa, uh, Marimba Ani, who was on my dissertation committee, then known as Donna Moses, married to Bob Moses, went to Africa, right? They came back and SNCC did this whole African thing, which is very powerful. Y'all can look at the SNCC Legacy Project at Duke University. It's all on the web. You can get all the documents, see all the discussions. But Ms. Hamer is part of that trip. They get to Guinea and Sekou Ture sweeps her up in his arms. The president of Guinea, the same Sekou Ture that Kwame Ture, who was Stokely Carmichael, took Ture's last name and put it as his last name and took his friend Kwame Nkrumah's name and made it his first name. That's why he's Kwame Ture, not Stokely Carmichael. This sister right here didn't speak no French from Ruville, Mississippi. But they said he swept her up in his arms then she went out into the marketplace. Julian Bond and them talk about this. Said, we looking for Miss Hamer. She out in the marketplace with the sisters. They braiding hair. They talking. She said, I don't understand. She don't understand a word of French. They don't understand a word of English. And somehow they are talking. These are black women. These are black women. Latosha Brown, Stacey Abrams, Ajua Bakwe, Ozmoa. These are black women connecting across lines. It scares the hell out of the United States. And so when she's with Malcolm, you can't trap her just on voting. In fact, Miss Hamer, in a speech she gives in 1969, to tell it like it is, she says this. <laughs> I love this. I love this. She said, Blacks should vote. In fact, she ran for office. I'm going to talk about that in a second. She said, Black people, in spring of 1969, she returned to Holmes County, Mississippi for a Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party election rally. And she was really talking about the fact that they should not sell out Black people, that is, in Mississippi, should not sell out to the white power structure. And to keep in mind that a snake, even a momentarily benign one, was still a snake, white or black. Hamer also warned her charges that even a consequential rhetorical change should give her pause. They started calling her Miss Hamer now. She says Blacks should vote for Black MFDP candidates, not on the grounds of what might be called Black supremacy. Don't vote on people just because they Black. Shout out to Detroit again for realizing that this dude was not, John James was not for you. So don't just vote because they black. She said, vote on black people's unique positioning as witnesses to generations of Jim Crow practices. From the back of the bus, they had an unobstructed view of white behavior. As a consequence, they had become the greatest actors in the world, which also meant blacks could spot a phony, white or black, when they saw one. Miss Hamer gives a speech in Mississippi says, look, they come into you a minute like they're your friend. But we've been in this thing a long time. We know a phony when we see one. And so don't get caught up in the politics of skin color at this point. Now we must move for political power. And after she finished speaking, Malcolm X, well, actually I think Malcolm went before her because he talks about Odingo Dinga and ties the international thing. Imagine that, Malcolm X being a warm-up act for Fannie Lou Hamer. This is the history. And both those speeches, by the way, have been recorded. Both those speeches you can get. You can get them online. You can listen to them. But you rarely hear them together. So if you just hear Malcolm, you think, oh, that was a Malcolm X speech. It's interesting. If you just hear the SNCC singers, you hear the song on a, on a collection of, uh, of SNCC freedom songs. Uh, if you hear Miss Hamer, you hear Miss Hamer apart. But what you don't know is they all together at the same place. Very important to understand. Ms. Hamer is part of international world. So let's take our pause 
and realize, okay, Biden Harris, yes, it's great. Let's stroll, let's have some dancing. They're gonna be down Black Lives Matter Plaza in front of the White House today and tomorrow. I'll probably go down there tomorrow. I'm gonna say, what's going on? What y'all doing down here? My man Lance Reynolds is DJing again. So I'll go down and see my man. But nah, I know what this is. We got our best opponents in the White House. I heard you, Linda. I heard you, Linda Sarsour. I'll end with this with Miss Haney. Ruville, Mississippi, September 27th, 1971. She's in Ruville, home park. Van Lou Hamer gives a speech named, if the name of the game is survive, survive. Mm. <laughs> in other words, Miss Hamer, in fact, I'll read you the preface a little bit. As voting rights laws evolved after passage of the 1965 Voting Rights Act, by the way, that Supreme Court gonna kick the teeth out of the rest of the Voting Rights Act. But guess what? We got y'all. Strict voter ID, no problem. We got a 24-month 24, 24 window to get everybody's ID the way we need it. Then you go overflow them, claw back some of these legislatures, and change the rule. If the name of the game is survive, survive. It says many Blacks in the South entered the world of electoral politics, especially in areas where Blacks outnumbered whites. Considering that she was a woman who marked her entry into civil rights activism on the single issue of voting, see, Ms. Hamer got in it because of voting. These Crips and Bloods in L.A. got in this election because of voting. Miss Watkins, my friend Dr. Watkins' mom, got into the election judge to protect the vote, as did Yasanti Y. Blake here in Maryland. But guess what? And this is the thing that really warmed my heart in Detroit, uh, listening to Valethia talk about this. She said, you had these young people who had never been involved in the political process, who discovered that they pay election judges. <laughs> and they pay them pretty well. I think it's like $300 a day. It's old. <laughs> she said, they got down there, put a check, got in there, got the training, realized the importance of this dimension of work in their everyday lives. They never got there. Are never going to not be politically involved again. See, we can watch CNN and look at the horse race and think this is an athletic contest or look at Avengers GIF. No, you got to look at the ground. You got to look at your people and look at this 20 year old that came in with $600 for two days work, which is why you went down in the first place. But then said, you know, but once I got down there, I know how to signature match. I watch the, I watch the, the observers. I know what they do. And now, before I went down there, I'm thinking about, well, Trump said I'm going to be a millionaire. He said something about platinum, and I know Lil Wayne. He said, but after I left them two days, I ain't never going to have my eyes closed again to my power. It isn't just picking a ballot. It's, and you know what? I went to some of these terrible schools. I knew some of the teachers who wanted to do better, but we couldn't get this and that. You know what? I'm, you know, I know now I was talking to this old head who was down here registering people and or, or work as election judge. And I found out just how few votes it took the last people who got put on the school board to get put on the school board. I think I might run. I mean, this is this is how it happens. And Miss Hamer knew that because she entered politics on the single issue of voting goes on and says what she says that. Um. Um. It was no surprise to find Fannie Lou Hamer running for elected office in 1971. It would prove to be her third and final attempt based on the encouragement of Charles Evers, who just made transition. We talked about him earlier this summer, Mega Evers' older brother, and the continued injustices she witnessed in her own community. Hamer ran for Mississippi Senate as an independent against two-term Democratic incumbent, Robert Crook. People say, see, she was independent. She wasn't a Democrat. 
Fannie Lou Hamer took whatever strategy at the moment was the best way to get there. It wasn't D versus R. You know, Mississippi, you, they, at that time, you have not affiliated. You could do that. 12 and the Democratic Party at that time was party of white supremacy, the point of entry. 12 other local black candidates ran as, as a slate called the Concerned Citizens of Sunflower County to elect black officials. That was the name of their organization. I'm going to talk about organizing. Get you a slate if you know slate politics. And if you're in a place like Minnesota or New York State, you can have your independent party affiliation and be listed on the D or R party as well. That's Paul Wellstone in Minnesota. For those of you old enough to remember that senator, you can see how we have to be sophisticated. If you want that kind of option in the state where you are, start organizing so that you can get that incorporated either into the state constitution or the party rules so that you can do it. This is this is trench warfare. Miss Hamer ran a campaign. She lost 11,770 votes to 7,201 votes. Even in her hometown of Ruville, she lost badly. This is, here's the sentence. White turnout proved to be very high. As many locals feared what might happen should a black governing coalition control Sunflower, Sunflower County city politics. So in this speech, Ms. Hamer shares her vision of how you use electoral politics as a tool to gain the thing you really want which is power to control your daily lives. She even brings up James Foreman's Black Manifesto, which I will list the urge to go get. That was a reparations document. So guess what? H.R. 40 passed the House. Mitch McConnell will stop, probably still be in control of the Senate. Even if it's 50-50, you can't trust Manchin and them to vote for a reparations bill. So maybe now Biden, if he wants an excuse, well, I it couldn't get to the, to the uh to my desk and then black people say what the hell black, black and then senator harris or vice president harris comes and say look y'all we just need to get to 2024 we flip a few more seats we'll get it we'll get it no problem now instead of getting out in the twitter streets and on social media and call them sellouts i mean no say no nah, uh-uh no nah, we, we we're sophisticated now you got a republican majority to hide behind or a couple of soft Republican Democratic senators to hide behind if you win these two seats in Georgia. But we are undeterred in our longer range strategy. We will now continue and at the local level to match Evanston, Illinois, to match Chicago, to match Philadelphia, to match some of these cities where reparations, uh, reparations, uh, 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 what am I trying to say? Reparations legislation have advanced and been passed. You then see what other city can we flip? What other city can we flip? 24-month increments, 24-month increments. Every two years, a third of the Senate is up for re-election. Mrs. Hamer, this book is full of speeches with those strategies. And, and I know you mentioned our sister out of Virginia, the great Ella Jo Baker. Uh, there's not a collection of her speeches yet in terms of a, of a published volume. A couple of children's books. There's a good documentary called Fundi, F-U-N-D-I, which gives you a glimpse of her. There's a very important, I love this clip of her uh, in Fundy. She's walking out into an arena and uh, she. this is near the end of her life. And you know, I love Eljo Baker. Always had her pillbox hat on, or always had her pocketbook. You know, she a black lady, church lady, right? I mean, hardcore organizer, worker. I mean, this is actually, um, um, Barbara Ransby's book is excellent. On In fact, we, uh, we had our Freedom School, it came out in 2003. About a couple of years later, we had our high school students in Philadelphia read this book. You know, we're big on that. Uh, Kelly Sparrow, my girl, Ansheree Hines, Hines and all them, my, you know, my people 
Philadelphia Freedom Schools, Erica Woods and them, Erica Asakoye now, we always picked a book that was, people would say, oh, that's too hard for high school students. And you don't have a GPA requirement. Are they human? Yeah. Okay. Go check with Michael Harriet about meeting expectations when you don't set no limits. So we read the Ella Baker book. And what, and one of the things that, that she talks about in this book and that she kind of brought to that stage near the end of her life, and you see the movie Fundy, she strolls in and talks about solidarity. She talks about the importance of getting people who had never been involved in the political process together. And the thing I love about this clip is it's, it's a rally that's talking about uh, international unity. So a lot of black and brown people, people in the independence movement. And when she comes out, she's strolling toward the, uh, the microphone. The cheers start rising. Well, see, America wants to wrap her in a flag and make it about 1964. Ella Jo Baker was a citizen of the world, like Paul Robeson, like Asanda Robeson. And she was embraced as a, as a revolutionary, as a radical, as someone who's going to transform society. She said the transforming of a society begins when you approach a woman or a man or a child on a porch in Mississippi or Georgia or South Carolina or Virginia, her home state, and say, ma'am, who would you like to see different in this little town? What's your hardest thing you got to deal with in your life? And they tell you, and then you ask, what would be the first thing you would do to change it? I don't even know. Let me tell you something. Do you know the person who, yeah, I know Mr. So-and-so. Okay, let me tell you. If you vote, this is what could happen. But let's say, let's not even get to voting first. Do you know what they do? You know what the commissioner do? Yeah, you come around here messing with me. No, no, I know that too. And that's that's the basis of it. But let me let me explain to you how the budget works. And then once you, then once you explain it back to me, and then once you got it, I'm going to introduce you to a few more people. In fact, I have these young people. In fact, Joe Baker would say, all the SNCC people, because she's the woman, she went to Shaw. That's why they organized it. Shaw, she said, I'm going to get my campus for y'all. And Dr. King and Y.T. Walker and them was like, oh, these young people in this student movement, they really up in arms. The Nashville kids and these this this, this people from North, uh, North Carolina. And look, these people came to Wichita, Kansas. You know what? We want you all to be the youth arm of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. Then the NAACP is like, oh, they, they organized. We need to get you to be the youth wing. Ella Baker was like, hold on, all you brothers right here. I love y'all, but, you know, everybody slow your roll. They're going to do what they need to do. And we'll all work together. In fact, they all had the same office in Mississippi, the Council of Federated Organizations, COFO, when they got together. But she said, what y'all not going to do is bring these young people into your institutional arrangement and then somehow either blunt what they're trying to do or absorb them into what you're trying to do without them having space to develop. So so Black Lives Matter has learned a lot of lessons from, from SNCC. And, and so Ms. Ms. Baker says this. She says, you students, Y'all get arrested. Everybody got their shirts and ties on and it's all important. It's very nice. You look, you black people get dressed up, go to jail. <laughs> I see it. But you go in Mississippi now. Take off the skirts and shirts and dresses and put on these overalls because that's what farmers wear out here. And the last thing I'll say about Ella Baker in this, in this moment, we continue. And this is a lesson for now. You don't organize to register 800,000 people by talking down to them to vote in Georgia. She said, the job of an organizer Hear Bob Moses right now saying this over and over. They loved Ella Joe Baker. So the job of an organizer is to put themselves out of a job. So, in other words, people have the ability to intervene in their lives. Politics is about helping them understand the best way to do that. Not coming to them and trying to make them into you or make them worship you. Because a lot of this stuff that's going on now is about people 
with big egos want to be leaders. No. Stacey Abrams came out of Mississippi. Stacey Abrams went to Spelman. Stacey Abrams writes romance novels under an assumed name. Stacey Abrams is comfortably ensconced in the black bourgeoisie. But let's be very clear. That ain't why people registered to vote. And that ain't why she got into it. Stacey Abrams is like, you have the ability to, to change your own lives. Y'all see this man? You want to get rid of him? That happens in 24 months. But today, we need you to go in there and register to vote. And your cousin that can't register to vote because they got warrants and maybe he got a gun that's illegal or whatever. Hmm. You just stay at the house for today. But on December the 7th, I mean, so on, on November the 7th, if, uh, if, if your cousins and them are still around, uh, and they start a tea party. Um, I shouldn't even start talking about that because yeah. we don't we don't even know. But uh, but my point is that everybody got a role to play. And what we learned from Fannie Lou Hamer, what we learned from Ella Jo Baker, what we learned from that generation, and what we have learned in this election from the people who, as I'm talking about this and we're having this conversation, people know the names of people who look like Ms. Watkins, who look like Dr. Blake and all these black women and men who went out as election judges or poll watchers or who went out to make sure everybody got out to vote or who came down and just stood there because they looked over there and seen somebody with a Trump flag, which is why Vincent Hughes said, y'all don't want the smoke if y'all come to the convention center. Everybody got a role to play. Everybody got a role to play. And we celebrate, but yeah, it's time to rock steady. It's time to rock steady now because this is just the beginning. I'll pause there and then see if we... All right, you want to take some questions? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, I should. There, yes, um, yes, let's do that. And, I know there's questions. And thank you for unpacking that because I think every every Saturday, what you did with Benjamin Banneker, which I didn't expect, I never know where you're going to go, by the way. Um, if there's a roadmap to this class, there isn't one, uh, except in the ancestors and the stars and the spirit, because I have no idea where you're going until you get there. And I'm like, I'm glad I was here for the journey. That but, 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 but I should say this, Karen, why, why you, when, you, when you said that, because everybody knows that. They've seen us. But I also want to say this, just, you know, very quick 30 seconds on this. Again, in gratitude. We're not going back to the way it was before the pandemic changed everything. I read an article in the New York Times last week. I shared it with my students in education in Black America. The headline was, if you think I'm going back to school, you crazy for this <laughs> Black girl who was being teased in school. And, I, and she said, now, when somebody say something crazy, got a MAGA hat on, I just mute the screen and look at the teacher. So I, you crazy. This girl, this 13-year-old girl told her mama that. You crazy. You think I'm going back to school. What I'm saying is that what it began as an organic kind of and continues as an organic experience, I have been keeping notes. I've been making my little outlines. And I am committed as we move now, continue as you pulling the team together. This is going to have a lot more recognizable curriculum stuff, structural stuff. We're moving in that direction because people should not have to mortgage their house. As this cat Galloway was talking to, ironically, Andrew Yang on something I was watching the other day and I shared it with my students. We talked about it. He says a lot of these universities have become hedge funds with classes for the investors, uh, mm. children of the investors. And he said, and then, and then to assuage their guilt, they sprinkle in a few super high achieving poor people. And so what we're not going to do, that model is unsustainable. And so, yeah, it may not seem it, but we're going to we moving in that direction. We're going to do something different. And just to underscore that, um, Michael Harriet, the greatest compliment he paid, he was saying, you guys were talking about something and you started talking. And I think you car brought up forts and then we Negro moved fort. Yes. Yeah. And then we moved on and, da, 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 da. and he said he was obsessed 
for the next week going down a rabbit hole about forts. And that's the thing, you know, we may talk for two hours, two and a half hours about a myriad things. Yes. It's up to you if there's something that interests you. Like for me, I went down a Benjamin Banneker rabbit hole after this, you know. Yes. Got it. I'm like, how can we, you know, construct a TV show about, you know, like there's there's an important thing that's happening here that requires everyone who's watching to, it's your responsibility. I know we're going to read questions, but if you have questions, the answers are out there. Yes. You know, there, there are answers out there and let that be your George Washington Carver moment where he took the peanut and wanted to know everything about it. If there's like something, a kernel dropped, a breadcrumb dropped, Pick that breadcrumb up and make a full meal out of it on you because you can. And that's what Harriet was saying about his learning process with his mom. That she she made him read the encyclopedia. You know, <laughs> they had to they had to read the encyclopedia and then tell her what they learned. They that's had right. that they had to know when she got home from work. That's and, right. and they said for him, he went down different rabbit holes because he'd start learning words and then wanted to know more about it. that's how you learn. A teacher can tell you how to learn. Yes. You can only drop the breadcrumbs for you to pick up. And this is, you know, this process, hopefully we're, we're extricating the indoctrination of, of white nationalism and how they have, like he said also, it's about teaching you how to behave, which is why so many of our kids get suspended because we oh. don't act right. We don't act right, right? We don't act the way we're supposed to act. But he didn't learn having to raise his hand or having to follow this, this model of behavior that, again, was designed to put people in bondage. Even the schools have modeled that for our kids. And how many kids are, are so hemmed up because they, 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 you know, they have to follow this, this space, this tiny space, and they're so big and they got to sit there and wait to regurgitate some minute bit of knowledge when it's all this knowledge out here for us to just digest and and share because that's the next thing it's not for you to just take and keep no this this is about what you learn teach you know that each one teach one I, I grew up hearing that you know each one teach one that's what this is if you learn something teach it yes because you're building and and what what you're doing today with Ella Baker and Fannie Lou Hamer and we talked about Stacey Abrams Stacey Abrams didn't start this no she stands nope. on shoulders, right? That's Which right. allowed her to catapult into 800,000 people registered. And somebody's going to pick up Stacey Abrams' time and go get 8 million, you know, and, and it's going to keep going. But That's the right. problem is we were interrupted, as you said, you know. So our institutional knowledge, we're gathering it back up and we're remembering who we are and putting the pieces together and the foundation down. But it's up to everyone watching this to now take this and build on it for themselves and for all of us. That's so, right. Just wanted to do that, and uh, let's take some questions. Okay, okay, sounds right. good. All right, uh, there's a question. I don't know who it's from, so Donna, can you drop them in? Make sure you put the names. Do you think we need to organize right now for a march on Washington to demand what we want, or should we wait and see what Biden does? We should never wait. That, yeah. I mean, that's okay. easy. Uh, but the question is, instead of waiting, what do we do? We don't need to march anywhere. Um. We certainly don't need to march. Uh, you saw the women's march right after Trump was elected. And there was pussy a lot hats. of energy. They had pussy hats. Yeah, the, the pussy hats. Right, right. That's exactly right. In fact, I went to, I was in New York. I uh, went to the bookstores. And I came back into Union Station, took the bus up, bus back. And there were so many people 
See, I don't need to, I didn't need to go to the women's march, not because I'm a man. I don't need to go because I already knew that I was gonna get in with both feet. And the day the cat, the day after the cat is, is inaugurated, you 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 know I do. Shoot, she man, they already plotting. In other words, <laughs> so she ain't gonna she ain't need to go to the march either. Anybody got okay, y'all march. That's important because again, overwhelmingly white, but within two years, what do we see? You see a lot of women elected to office. 24-month plan. You back map it from that march. That's beautiful. You see a lot of women elected. In fact, some of those women, uh, uh, Spamberger is it, in, in Virginia, was re-elected uh, to, to Congress, was on the call, apparently very upset with Nancy Pelosi. You know, they had a call because it was Congress, because, you know, Pelosi and them, you know, some of y'all talking radical, you endangered some of our more moderate members. Hey, 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 Nancy. <laughs> We're not friends. We're no permanent friends, only permanent interests. You better look at the Congressional Black Caucus and all of the Congressional Black Caucus, not just the people you like who nod their head every time you talk. But anyway, Spamberg and them come into Congress as a result of the energy that feeds that the Women's March is part of. But you also, Tamika and them, you see Tamika and them get drummed out. The white woman is a little, oh, you know, and, and Tamika Mallory, you know, in terms of, you know, being consistent, you know, they down there in Louisville fighting uh, Dan Cameron. Shout out Dan Cameron. I'm sorry, man. I'm so sorry. Looks like it's all slipping away, ain't it? You know, you, you stand between justice and a black woman. You got your eye on that Supreme Court seat. Because I have no doubt in my mind that if Trump had been reelected, Clarence Thomas was going to be approached. And okay, bro, it's time for you to get in that RV with your handsome wife and drive from coast to coast and stop in the trailer parks and you and Jenny can have conversations with the real people in America. It's very nice. Uh, I have no doubt he would be approached. Because see, that's one thing we should also learn from the white nationalists. They don't let their judges die in office with the exception of real old, as my mom would say, oh, uh, uh, oh my God, I don't even know call it because my mom is from the South, you know, and they got old Southern black people got names for white people that you could say and they're not curse words. And most of y'all wouldn't even understand what it was, but those of you know, no. But uh, one of them in the category that they would refer to as like that would be uh, 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 William Rehnquist, who died in office, Chief Justice of the United States. But he's an exception. They usually get their judge to retire. I have no doubt that Clarence Thomas would have been approached. I don't know who they would have replaced him with, uh, would have replaced him with, but Daniel Cameron's was na name was on the list that yeah. Donald Trump had. And whether he was just saying patting that little Negro boy on the head or not, I'm sure that was in Daniel Cameron's whole heart to be on the Supreme yeah. Court. You got to wait at least four years, Danny. And I don't know yeah. that you're going to make it after that, because let's say some kind of way y'all figure out how to steal the election in 2024, which I doubt. Or Tom Cotton or Lil Marco. Oh, by the way, Rubio up re-election. So, uh, yeah, 2022. <laughs> Come on now. That registration stuff needs to flow into Florida. But, you know, the demographics don't look good for them. Right now, uh, it's very interesting. I was looking at some of the census uh, stuff. The median age for white people in this country is 43 years. The median age for black people in this country is 34 years. The most common age among white people is 58. The most common age for black people is 27. The most common age for Hispanics is 11. 
16 year olds and below in this country are already majority non-white and guess what in two years 16 year olds can vote so lamarco i don't know bro i don't know what you're gonna do i know you like a little hip-hop music and all this kind of thing but at any rate dan shout out to you young cameron your master got reelected to the Senate, and he and his friend from South Carolina are going to get to be in Senate and have a front row seat to the browning of America. And it ain't going to be the brown you like so much. You better go read some Fannie Lou Hamer, because all skin folks ain't kin folks. That's what she tried to tell you in 1969 and 1971. But what should we march on Washington? No, we should march on the house next door to find out everybody in there is registered to vote. <laughs> and then we should march on the next house with the people in the first house we stopped at to ask, how you doing over here? Your water bill? Listen, oh, I heard y'all out of work. You know, in fact, the first person marching who comes from out of the neighborhood after you've had that conversation with the first person, you then say, which house should we go to next? And then you stand behind the person whose house door you knocked on. That's the Ella Joe Baker way. That's the SNCC way. That's the family. Miss Hamer was approached in Rueville. Once it was clear who she was, Come on, Bob Moses and Stoley Carmichael and Michael Thelwell and uh, Dory Ladner and Joyce Ladner. I mean, they got out of her way. <laughs> Ms. Baker said the job of, a, of an organizer is to put herself out of a job. There go the star right there, Fannie Lou Hamer. And when Martin Luther King was like, look, uh, Ms. Hamer, Ms. Baker, we need to moderate. The Democratic Party is, he said, shit. Ms. Baker said, I mean, uh, Fannie <laughs> Lou Hamer said, we ain't come out this way for no two seats. All of us is tired. Now, some people say, see, that's why you shouldn't be with the Democrats. Oh, they was trying to get into the Democratic Party. And it was what they did in 64 that opened up a little bit in 68 that led to 72, a defeat for the Democrats, but ultimately led to what became the Jackson campaigns of 84 and 88. And that's what opened up the party even more. So many of the Negroes that now went out to vote were on a platform that was built incrementally with power. And then my friends would say, well, see, that just means they got reintegrated into the Democratic Party. And then I would say, yeah, this is what happens when you don't study. When you skip over history as it is lived, looking for quotes to justify the position that you have because you're acting out of the real harm that you've experienced. And so do we need to march? Marching is part of the, of the narrative paradigm that we have been taught was the way we got power. And that is not the way now if you want to have a march you can have a march but don't the march is not the way to power organizing is the way to power and you organize not so that you can just elect somebody organizing is the thing itself not even the election because no organization no flip georgia no organization no flip philly no organization no flip wisconsin no flip michigan them navajo i would be very interested karen I would be very interested to see how many of the Navajo were not registered to vote in the election of 2016. I'd be very interested to see how many became 18 between 2016 and now. And I'd also be very interested, I don't know the answer to this, maybe you do, or maybe somebody watching does, because if they're like the, our, our First Nations brethren in North and South Dakota, one of the things that many of them have, they live on reservations that don't have street addresses and North South Dakota had have laws because, you know, elections are run by the states that say you have to have a street address. And that's how they were disenfranchising them. Shout out to John Roberts. Johnny John, baby. 
you seen it all slip away ain't now, ain't you, huh? You got the handmaiden up there. You got Sam Alito, that racist, ready chomping at the bit. And you got Clarence Thomas, who dissents in everything. They finally got the numbers to run a Boston on you. And you're going to watch your whole institution of the Supreme Court erode before your eyes. The concept of judicial supremacy, if you're not careful. So good luck to you, my friend. Good luck to you, because you got 24 months to figure out how you gonna try to rein in the hardcore white nationalist wing of the Supreme Court. Or I'm counting Clarence too, because all skin folks ain't kin folks. And John Roberts is right now probably the happiest of all because he's, you know what I'm saying? Because he believes in the Supreme Court. And his friend Beer Kavanaugh oh. Democrats believe in white supremacy. So so no, marching, sure, but it ain't it ain't the way. No, we ain't need march no more. Uh, fine point. Uh, Scalia died in office, but I think that wasn't expected. Um, no, that's true. He did die. He did die in office at that hunting lodge in Texas. That's super very, secret. Very, <laughs> very curious. Very, very curious. And it would be really poetic if Anita Hill somehow makes it to the Supreme Court. I'm just putting would it that out. Be interesting. Universe. I'm just putting it out into the universe. That would be. Well, you, you know, it's interesting, Karen. You say that because that's the other thing. Anita Faye Hill. Remember, remember the confirmation. This was indefensible, indefensible behavior by Clarence Thomas. But the people that came to Anita Hill's defense were right of center, even the black people. Now, the brother out of Harvard, Charles Ogletree, is part of the defense team because there's a principal involved in this. But Anita Hill's politics were right of center. She has moved since then, which is actually very good, Karen, that you mentioned that. Would, that would be poetic justice. She did endorse Joe Biden, which lets you know she put politics before personal feelings and because Biden, wait, because Biden presided over that Senate hearing. Biden was the chair of the Judiciary Committee. That's exactly right. Which is why, if the Democrats take the Senate, if they win these two special elections, guess what? Diane Feinstein, you're out as chair of Judiciary. You're out. Guess what? See, this is this is chess, not check. People say, oh, the Negroes don't understand. We got to, yeah, nah. You can't even name who the chair of the committees are, but you out here talking about the parties are the same. Don't do that. <laughs> Diane Feinstein is acting like, in some ways, Joe Biden acted when he was chair. Joe, you out here wearing purple ties, talking about reconciliation. Some of us know what happened during Reconstruction and after with reconciliation. Some of us know what happened after World War I and World War II, but guess what? Every time y'all try to make up, the American Negro gives birth to a generation of freedom fighters. Because as soon as y'all reconciled and Jim Crow came down, that's the period when you see Ida Wells. That's the period when you see Mary Church Terrell and W.B. Du Bois. That's when you see Mary McLeod Bethune. Then when y'all did it again, after World War I, he told us to close ranks and Du Bois wrote that closed ranks editorial in the crisis and then the war was over he wrote we return fighting that's the generation that gave birth to charles hamilton houston the man to kill jim crow that's the generation that saw the emergence of miss bethune as a full adult moving in the world national council of negro women that is the generation that gave birth to the generation that killed jim crow in the streets and then when you tried you want to try this again this reconciliation number after you did that in the 60s after the civil rights legislation was passed and that white lash came after, that's the generation that came out of the civil rights movement and turned toward black power. And that's the foundation of those of us who were born during that period from the mid to late 60s forward. 
That's the generation that now can see the rhythms. So, Joe, you can wear a purple tie. Joe, you think we're not going to forget that you were the chair of the Judiciary Committee and you could have stopped Clarence Thomas and didn't because you thought everybody's being collegial. But if you're talking like 1988 Joe Biden and not 2020 Joe Biden, because 2020 Joe Biden, like 2020 Anita Hill, has moved leftward. Now, my friends are going to say, not enough. And I'm going to agree with them. However, if you listened, if you read the Democratic uh, platform, if you read the Lift Every Voice platform, now, I don't know how many of you Negroes talking about both parties are the same come from families that make more than $150,000 a year, because I damn sure not one of them, like Mike Gary. But in that platform, you can go to public university, tuition free, community college free. Biden talking about getting these renewable energy jobs. Well, it's not the Green New Deal. You know what? Tell that to the sister in Alabama who can get a job installing solar panels for more money than she's ever seen and use that to get a house with a mortgage once we can get some of these uh, atrocious federal lending guidelines reconfigured because a lot of that's administrative law stuff in terms of who can and can't get a loan in, in connection with the legislature. It all works together, but she ain't got no tuition bill. And they put installing solar panels and they installing windmills. And guess what? She knows how to program the damn machine because she went to school for it, for a certificate program or got a six month or a two year uh, thing and didn't come out with any debt and got the job. Stop being dense and trading quotes between Malcolm X, W.E.B. Du Bois and three things you read in a book that Karl Marx wrote 150 years ago and using that as the platform to say, I'm going to stop this young guy in Mississippi from getting a job in clean energy because I don't like that in the Democratic platform, they didn't adopt everything we talked about in all those three-person Zoom sessions. Let's be clear. <laughs> we have to think tactically because the end up place we want to be is together. But to get there, it's going to require strategy that understands how you get there step by step. So yeah, no, yeah, I, I don't think, uh, we got some more. Let's be clear. Uh, the first, let me thank the 3,120 people who are currently with us. As a, oh yeah. As we've had in one time, you know, and I appreciate that. Also want y'all to su subscribe to this channel. If you haven't subscribed, hit the like button and subscribe. Algorithms matter. You're telling people what you like and what you don't like. Share the video. This is intentional. We got to be intentional. Getting to 100,000 matters. It gives us an ability to do more things in this space called YouTube. So share it and get people to subscribe to this channel. Very close uh, to 100,000. And I appreciate all the people who have subscribed already. Definitely. I definitely appreciate it. In fact, let's just blow by it now. We should be able to blow by that in the next 24 hours. I'm thinking we should do that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, people voted for Joe Biden. You damn sure better vote for Karen Hunt. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, no question. <laughs> uh, Faria Law, F. Faria Law, who has been very, very supportive. Oh, Gary, uh, yes. Yeah, okay. Wants to know, uh, Dr. Carr, what are the three most important things the African world family should focus on as the U.S. is clearly splitting down the middle? Is the U.S. splitting down the middle? I feel like the U.S., Yes, it is what she's always been. But oh, no question. Answer. It's no question about it, man. I wish Karen. I was moving so many books around in here trying <laughs> to get that stuff. That uh, but I do have the ancestors don't make any mistakes. I do have uh, Garrett Free. He's my former student. He, he's a lawyer he's down here in Louisiana. Um, he's a Texas now. This is book American Terrorism. It's okay. an excellent book. A brief legal history of the lynching of black folk in the United States. Those who are saying the United States is different. That's Garrett. Pitch on the back. Actually, hey, Garrett. Yeah, Gary, that's him. This is him. He's a lawyer. Brilliant. 
he has put in one book a whole compendium of how black folk have have been uh, assaulted by he's in new orleans state terror state terror from the beginning beginning with the first chapter which is american terrorism as a concept i would say for us well i mean in no particular order i guess although we, i guess if we think about it we could put them in a kind of hierarchy of sorts we have to continue to organize we've seen what organization does organization allows us to move in our collective interests collectively what does that mean that means that i'll go back to detroit very quickly 30 seconds very quickly um in detroit the reason why regular black folk including a lot of young people could be election judges is because in the wake of the voting rights act of 1965 and in the wake, wake of getting black political power organized particularly through organized labor black people started taking elective office in detroit so now they're in control of enough of the levers of power to be able to bring people into that process so the first thing we have to do is continue to organize or one of the things one of the three things we have to do is continue to organize uh, another of the three things i think we have to do let's be very specific in terms of this this venue this space this platform we have to start concentrating on enough of the same uh, same texts, same books, same concepts, so that we have a collective understanding of the past. So that we don't just get micro focused in on this or that, or we just kind of wandering around looking at stuff. We have to have places, venues, institutions, platforms, convenings, where we can think about these things systematically because we've read them systematically, discuss them systematically. So it isn't just passive viewing things and then thinking, but it's collective. We work together. Another thing I think we have to do is, and this is uh, we, this is something we've been talking about a lot. We have to turn away from externally imposed narratives because they don't resonate with us. There are people, and in fact, it's so funny. I didn't watch any mass commercial news entertainment media corporate media for until like thursday morning and even then it was quick i look at the websites look follow the tracking the voting this kind of thing looking at the down ballot stuff around the country but i wouldn't watch it why because i know the narratives and they're going to repeat them every 10 minutes so i'm not going to watch because it's like watching wwf wrestling i'm not watching van jones argue with rick santorum i lived in pennsylvania for 17 years in philly i know rick santorum i know he has been hired by cnn for the same reason that hulk hogan was hired by wwf and this is not real <laughs> van jones with the school with my brother jeff they had a black newspaper in nashville he's over in vanderbilt i know van a long time i already know what you're gonna say man you're gonna say whatever you need to say to be in other words these are characters on television now some of y'all van you might actually believe that but let's be clear I'm not watching y'all. There are people who watch that stuff, whose blood pressure went up, who was looking like it was at it like it was real, who watching John King talk to Wolf Blitzer and them, talk to Chris Cuomo, flipping over to Steve Kornaski. He's got the khakis on. He's moving with his hands. He did the math in his head. Uh, black people invented math. You know, Nick Rose was doing math and they had enough to build pyramids. Steve Kornacki don't impress me. And why am I watching it? Man, I got something else. I need to be reading another page of American terrorism. <laughs> so the third thing we have to do is turn away from those narratives. Because what did we see? We saw white on white electoral violence this week. And we saw black people, brown people, many Native Americans come together with the with the white people who said I'm not I'm not going to be on the wrong side of history, 
and stop a fool who's now got to hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back no more. Although, Letitia James said, is he out? <laughs> I got something for you, baby. I got something for you, baby. Put the angels around her. To do what Tish getting ready to do, you need a law degree. She got hers from Howard University School of Law. But understand, somebody got to go to school and be that one who's waiting for this cat, which is why, I don't know, Karen, what you think? You think he's going to stay in the country? <sighs> Tish James is ready. Tish is ready. So... Uh, would you stay in the country with them indictments and you can't pardon yourself and Pence ain't in Pence nowhere near, you know, what, like, would you, what would you do? Is he going to try to pardon himself? You know, he's going to try. He got to. You don't, he? He don't, well, I see. This she's going to wait till January 21st. I think she's going to wait till January 21st. He can't pardon himself after that. Oh no, he can't do it. So he can't do it after that. And, and there are certain things that he can't do it for anyway, in terms of federal, he can't, you know, she got, they got him. Wouldn't it be something if uh if you show up in Moscow? Oh, <laughs> I'm just saying, but guess what? These are the kind of things that we can have. These are the fun things. In other words, the but these are the things which you turn on some of this commercial stuff, this will be the headline instead of them saying, and then there'll be people who forgot it was the special election because they've been watching all the other stuff. Oh, damn, when was it? It was yesterday. Damn, I meant to vote. No, see, turn that stuff off. That's how Ossoff doesn't win. Raphael Warnock is going to have an uphill battle because Kelly Loeffler and her male white supremacist colleague, uh, uh, fast-talking, foghorn, leghorn Collins, they made up in a white supremacist pact. You put those two together, that's almost enough to beat Reverend Warnock. Now, all them Negroes, shout out to all you Negroes that got 0.5% and 1% because you wouldn't get out the race. Fat Lou Hamer was talking about y'all in here as well. In Mississippi, everybody black running, but now you're out now. Warnick can win that race as well, but you got to turn off the, the other stuff. So thank you, Gary. In fact, there's another book I wanted to mention too, uh, Karen. I hope maybe as you're looking for another question. I got plenty. Okay, no, go ahead. Because okay. I, I want to see if I find this other one. All right. Let's see if he finds the book. We need a, like a drum. No, no, no. Book. You can keep going. I just, I don't All know right. that I'm going All to. All right. This is from Lisa. Lisa Shaw wants to know. So what do we do to get these names to pre-elect, uh, to uh, president-elect Biden for his picks? Like the, the secretary of education names that you put forth, which I think are amazing. Um, you know. Well, those were two names floated to Barack Obama, who picked his basketball buddy. Shout out, Barry. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I should close that loop on Oginga Odinga. Okay. Uh when the Kenyans came here and Kenyatta sent, you know, they were trying to, you know, and that's when the Snick Singers wrote Ogingo Dinga, talking about the Pan-African linkages. You know, that same Kenyatta government also sent some young people out of the country to get uh, training and educations in England, United States, other places to come back and help build the country. One of those young people, of course, was Barack Obama Sr. So uh, imagine that. Anyway, uh, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, no, um, but I think Lisa's question is poignant because I think that's one of the issues we have. You, you and I can sit here and talk all day long. Sure. But uh, so, so, so let me let me take just a, a piece of this. No, no, of course, please do, please, please. Because I think to put pressure, you have to have the the voice, that the ears of the people, right? You have to have numbers. Which is why, which is why celebrities are at the forefront right now of pushing certain agenda, right? Because they have millions of followers. 
Yes. Millions and millions of followers, which is yes. why following matters, right? Because it tells the world everything works on algorithms right now. This is a tech world that we're in, and what you're telling the world by your clicks, your likes, your your views is that this is what we care about. Yes. These are the people we value. Yes. It's not necessarily true. And I, I personally have never really chased numbers, but as I sit in the seat and, and the one place I have numbers is on Sirius XM. Yes. I see with the power of having numbers, what that has done. Because in my entire career, I never cared. I never wanted to be famous. I never cared about being at the forefront of anything. But the numbers allowed me to be able to not just have a radio show that went from two hours to three hours, but then to leverage that show because of the advertisers that were bolstered by the people who support my show to yes. take that money and then build more shows so we can have a bigger platform. Because I always understood it can't just be me. We need to have other voices in lockstep with different who can reach who I can't reach. And now our, our bubble gets so much bigger. So now yes. Urban, View, Urban View is a juggernaut, which is why they asked us to go 24 hours for wow. the last three, three nights after election because we're the place where people can go to know that they're going to be true. They're going to get perspective. They're going to get guests. They, they don't see rent to repeat on these other corporate media outlets because yes. they, they do the WWE, WWF uh, model, which I didn't even process to you said. And I was like, yes, of course. Left versus right. That's not what people want. People want facts and truth. Yes. Let's dig into it. And you and I aren't always right, but we're at least no. down pathways to open up the, the doors for people to walk through to find the answers for themselves. That said, how do we get these names in front of Biden and them? I'm personally going to use the juggernaut that I have to yes. make sure that beat is, you know, but I hope Roland does the same thing. Yes. And I'm going to reach out to Roland. And you're going to reach out to Roland and we're going to come together. Yeah. And whomever else is out there with yes. large numbers of people who listen to them. And then we're going to say, hey, Biden, Kamala Harris, backdoor, front door, because there's some backdoor things as well that you and I, and I'm not going to say those names because we need them to work, work like smoke. Always. Overtly. We both have people we can call to deploy. Yes. So while I'm out yes. here running my mouth, People out there pushing those levers of pressure to say, here are the names that we need to see or else. And that or else has to be really strong. Yes. No, I agree. I agree. In fact, Karen, I would only uh, say in, 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 in support of that, um, there, you know, there are many people in the country, in the world, many people in this country who never stop working. So, you know, the re reason I mentioned uh, Hammond and Delpit is because they are long-term educators, education administrators who run institutions who have been deep and deeply involved in studying and doing the work of educating our children who have proven themselves and been recognized by collectors, by institutions. And I'm talking about black controlled institutions and others. Generating a list of names won't be hard. In fact, those, those lists have been being generated for months. In fact, the transition teams that are no doubt meeting in Delaware now, meeting in D.C., meeting all around, they already got their list. The lobbyists got their list. The institutions got their list. And so to, to really underscore what you've just said, the way that you negotiate with those institutional forces, you just laid it out. They can't regulate what you do. They can't regulate what Roland does. They can't regulate when you all get together, when you invite. You know, you, you you use all the networks all of us have access to and say, who are the five people we need to interview to talk about 
who should be the Secretary of Education or who should be over um, uh, HHS? Who are the people that we should talk about who should be in the cabinet position? Who should be the Attorney General? You know, I want to have some people on my show. And then you look up and you see, well, here goes the list of names we thought we'd have. Wait, who is this? Well, that's somebody who's been getting a lot of buzz from outside of these circles. Or there's the name that we really want and it's on the list. But guess what? There are a lot of people calling the office now saying they want this person because they heard her on the Karen Hunnish. What is this Karen? You know what? Can we talk? Can I come on the show? I mean, I, that's why I keep coming back to Nancy Pelosi. You know, you know, Congresswoman Pelosi, you know, you weren't really doing a lot of that. You seem to be on MSNBC every five minutes. Guess what? We see you. The measure of a person is not where they stand in a moment of, of comfort, but in a moment of crisis. In a moment of crisis, you didn't know about the importance of the black media. I bet you in the next 24 months, you're going to find out. Because guess what? <laughs> Stacey Abrams wasn't there. Y'all wasn't really checking. Y'all want Stacey Abrams to do this. You wanted to maybe, maybe you guys, we wanted me we run for God. Stacey Abrams was like, I'm going to go register these people. Get back to me in 24 months. But why don't you come? Now, let me go do this. <laughs> right now. So that is the answer. Do some research. Start thinking about folks. Reach out. Connect. And then slowly we sift through names and then some names begin to emerge. We looked at policy and then she's sitting at your microphone and he's sitting at your microphone and then people become aware. And next thing you know, they can't not put the person on the list. And if they're not picked, we want to know why. Because the person you pick, if they ain't doing what the person we wanted pick does, now we're going to deal with you because we know you're a one term president. And Madam Vice President, we want you to be president if this is what you're going to do as a president. But if not, there's going to be some primaries. Mm. And we also need lobbyists. We need, oh, no question. We need lobbyists. We need super PACs. Now, yes. I'm just going to put it, say, uh, not that it's not happening. Just saying when it happens, then we need to also help fund super PACs and make sure that they, because lobbyists have changed the face of Washington. Yes, they have. Those people understood the power of lobbyists to the point that they took that to the to the Supreme Court. Corporations of people. So now I can give, you know, they, oh, this was so crafty. Anyway. No, we, well, no, you're absolutely right. In fact, John Roberts, your legacy, young man, is, uh, yeah, yeah. Shelby County versus Holder 2013 was a terrible case. But that damn Citizens United case, where you just let the money wash over everything, John, John, that might be your legacy, big boy. Now, you may have broke it beyond repair, but guess what? Whatever's broken will just be remade. We're going to renegotiate the terms of this little settler project y'all brought our ancestors in here to. And you may have helped us or not, but you're right, Karen, that unregulated money. But, but, no, no, let me, let me, let me end with this, though, on that. Again, Jamie Harrison washed Lindsey Graham in terms of money. Yep. Mike FC three to one washed Cindy Hyde. But the lessons of Ella Baker and the lessons of Fannie Hamer is, you know, you can't win an election by carpet bombing TV, particularly when Gen Z is looking at the handheld device. And there, there, there is no collective. There's individually curated experiences. Now, what Trump and them figured out, one of his boys, the guy that, you know, got put out as campaign manager, if you go on Facebook and, you know, then yeah, you can micro target. We were talking about that the other the other night or the other morning, right? I mean, man, you walked us through that cold. I was like, man, that micro targeting. But money won't be organizing. We need money, but the thing is, 
to talk to people, to be with people, yes. to work alongside people. And that's something that we can do. I just don't want us to not do everything. That's all I'm saying. Oh, I agree. Everything. Um, I agree. My Jeffrey 999 said, hey, Dr. Carr, is it true that Thurgood Marshall helped write Kenya's first constitution? It is true. Yeah, it's absolutely true. In fact, I'll never be able to find the book, but there's a book on it. In fact, Karen, you better, I'll never be able to find that. Because in fact, on the cover, I think don't, one says don't get your don't get up. <laughs> no, I won't. I'm not. No, I know I know that that book is oh man, no, that book is so deeply buried. Uh in fact, I might have put that book in storage. Um, I'll I'll just say a couple of seconds on that very quickly. Thurgood Marshall was deeply involved because those countries that came and took their independence, many of them modeled their constitutions initially on the United States Constitution. And he was a consultant, he absolutely did. And he wasn't alone in terms of African constitutions. The great Polly Murray, who wrote really the case book on the Jim Crow laws in this country. In fact, I had that book around here as well. In fact, in fact, I have both the books I'm about to mention. Polly Murray, who came out of Howard Law School, brilliant sister. Uh, Polly Murray wrote a case book that had all the laws, the Jim Crow laws from every state. Then she wrote a whole book on the constitutions of Africa and constitutional theory in Ghana in particular. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Black people, because that was part of the commitment of that generation. And it doesn't stop there. But in terms of constitutions, the South African Constitution is one of, if not the best constitution of any country. The United States Constitution is trash now. It's a flawed 18th century document. By the way, uh, if this pact is signed on to I think they're like 190 something uh, electoral votes representing the, the states in this country who have signed on to this interstate compact, which means that once they reach 270, it means that whoever wins, it is adopted as law, national law, uh, whoever wins the majority vote, popular vote in the country, wins the presidency. So that's really the path to abolishing the electoral college that people are on, and they're targeting some countries now, some counties now. In fact, I wrote them down. I don't know if I, if I put them somewhere where um, yeah, here we go. There's 196 uh, votes so far that have states representing 196 votes are there. They're targeted Arizona, uh, Minnesota, uh, Pennsylvania, North Carolina as states that if they sign on, their legislatures sign on, that'll get them right up to 252. And then if you get Georgia added, that's going to put them up to like right at 270 and they'll need another little state to sign on. But once that happens, the Electoral College is moot. Whoever wins the popular election can do so, so. So you have to organize that way. But yeah, it is true. Thurgood Marshall, absolutely. But the South African Constitution doesn't have an electoral college, obviously. But because so people didn't start, didn't stop with the American Constitution. They then went on and said, "What are the flaws in this one?" And they found a lot of them, and they wrote better constitutions than he has. But yeah, yeah. I wish I could find the name of that book. I tell you, I love it. Yeah. All right. Peter's Full Stack Applications LLC says, how can Black people build effective economic, political, and other institutions without bowing down to the lords of capitalism? Well, you watching. <laughs> I mean, you watch, what are we doing? You know what I'm saying? Well, part of it is too, you know, we live in a capitalist society. You need money, right? That's another reason why. Please, everybody subscribe. Get your friends to subscribe. Tell them to watch later and subscribe. Get over that. That'll generate enough revenue, perhaps to do some other thing. But you got don't, don't you got. In other words, we we operate in a capitalist field, and not just in the United States. It's a global system, which is why one of the things we're gonna have to be real hard on this administration, this federal administration, regardless who was in office, is on international affairs, because capitalism 
is the framework that they're using. So yeah, when they say human rights, yeah, that's all, that's always tied to the right to the market. You shouldn't be interfering in Venezuela or Bolivia or Brazil. You're interfering because you see the potential for them to interfere with your economic system, with the capitalist system. You don't want evil Morales in them or the guy who just won election who was with Morales to, for, to take Bolivia socialist because there's stuff you want out of there and you don't want a government that's not going to work with you. Same thing with Bolsonaro in Brazil. You don't want that. In the Caribbean, the Caribbean countries have caught hell trying to be in solidarity to create them. Look at look at Michael Manley and them. Look at what they were trying to do in Jamaica in the 1970s and 80s. Now states comes down against them. And it's not just Republicans, it's Democrats too. I mean, you know, Obama went to Cuba and the white NASA's went crazy. But you shouldn't. Why? Obama not going down there just because he black. Yeah, it's cool. I get to see my people. It's all good. But I want to open this up to Carnival Cruise Lines from the United States because we getting killed by these other countries. No, that wasn't just humanitarian. In fact, it wasn't primarily humanitarian. It was about the market. So with that mm -hmm. in mind, you know, is the short-term uh, battle to get some of the tax revenue restored from in this capitalist system? Absolutely. And then to get that tax revenue repurposed to social uh, public projects, infrastructure? Absolutely. Uh, the fight for 15, raising, wage, wage, raising at least government wages. Yes, absolutely. So is it in a capitalist system? Absolutely. Do we see want to see ultimately the collapse of extremely exploitative political economies? Absolutely. But you don't get there uh, overnight. And you don't get there if your first step is we just going to heighten the contradictions until the thing collapses. Okay, listen, I'm with you. I'm with you on the heightening the contradictions. But I'm also looking backward over time and I'm trying to figure out where that worked beyond theory. I'm looking at, you know, I mean, with you with the Trotskyists, um, was it Trotsky? Was it Stalin? Damn sure it wasn't Stalin. They accused Paul Robeson of closing his eyes to the brutalities in the Soviet Union. Did it happen? No. But I do know this. When Jimmy and, and Grace Lee Boggs are in Detroit talking about, you know, we got to get past this capitalist system and move to this next phase of heightening the contradictions. They're also organizing with organized labor. So when you see the Dodge Revolutionary Union movement in Detroit, we, these are people working in the factories who also in the union while they're reading and discussing and having study groups. So part of the way you undermine this hyper exploitive uh, economy is to go to the people who are the most victimized by it and begin to ask them, how can we improve the conditions of your lives in solidarity? And as they are telling you, you help them achieve that. And bit by bit, they understand that this suffering they're doing locally is part of a global network. That's the closest we've ever gotten to it working. Cool. And, you know, but ultimately, uh, what, what should, uh, what would Nkrumah say or Sid Robinson? You reach the limits of expansion. See, you know, the basic economic theory. In other words, if you don't have any more markets, if the markets are saturated, then you start cannibalizing yourself. And what you're going to see, what you're already seeing in this society is the limits of expansion that have been reached in certain forms. So when Joe Biden is talking about green jobs, when Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is talking about green jobs, AOC got something else in her head than what Joe Biden got in his head. But guess what? That don't mean that you shouldn't support the Biden move to green jobs. Because what you have to do is what Karen said, you need some black and brown people in there who have companies that install solar panels. And there are them. You got people dealing with windmill technology. There are some black and brown people. You want a piece of that market as you're on the way to a different political economy. So yeah, yes, yeah, more than theory. We have to put it in practice bit by bit and it can be informed by the theory and then we keep moving forward.
And let me thank everybody since we're talking capital who have given us super stickers and thumbs up and cash app and everything. Um, it is not just uh, appreciated, it is being used uh, yes. very greatly. So there's that. Um, let me get Nitra Gibson. She wants to know, what about the political strategist justifying the outreach to white women in the suburbs as opposed to Stacey Abrams' strategy? What can we do to get black pollsters and strategists in those rooms? Uh, grow, grow more black pollsters and strategists who have the right perspective. Um, those black pollsters and strategists who uh, aren't saying what we're saying, we need to get them in and listen to them and talk to them and ask them questions until they get closer to a more kind of uh, grounded perspective. And that's not to say that there aren't those who are out there do. I mean, Cordell Belcher has been trying to tell people for years, right, while he's negotiating in those rooms. But what you find is that, and it's interesting, I remember this years ago, Jacob Carruthers telling the story. I mean, it's, it's a story that's well told all over, but the idea that during the French Revolution, the French the, you know, French people going to the store in the Bastille, and Rose Pierre is sitting there in the cafe, and he looks up, and the people pass him, he said, I got to go. You know, those are my people. I am their leader. And so, and the point is that the posters, and you see it now. Look, it's going to be, a, <laughs> you know, I'm laughing. This is because we had to have a uh, uh, it's funny to see all these Negroes all of a sudden talking all husky because now, you know, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris win, uh, Kamala Harris win, and it's like, yeah, because okay, I see you talking a little husky. I see you because your job not being threatened. Posters don't work for free. They got to be subsidized. So produce and support, like we have a little group called the Howard University uh, Institute on Public Opinion. Terry Adams, who's a crack social scientist, uh, Bill Spriggs, you know, Bill Spriggs is, 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 um, is right after graduate school. Danny Williams, the, the dean of the graduate school. And these are Black people. We got folks from the humanities. We got Jules Harrell, who's a psychologist dealing with this emotional dimension. Ron Hobson, who is a ordained minister, works teaching in school divinity and has a PhD in psychology. So we got Black people, and it's not alone. There are a lot of HBCUs who have these formations. Look for them and then support them, and then they can put a poll in the field. And guess what? In that poll that comes out of Jackson State or Tuskegee or Fisk, guess who's calling? Your, your, your nieces and nephews, the 18, 19 year old learning how to do polling. And so what you do is, and this can be done, high school students can do it. I mean, in other words, with resources, this is where resources are important. You can grow posters. You can develop posters who ask the kind of questions you want to us to answer. And then you can generate that type of research. But the other thing I would say very quickly, finally, is this. Turn off mainstream. Just turn it off. Because they're going to chase them white women forever. Some of y'all know about that. And so you also know what happens when you never catch the white one. Why? Because as Dr. Carruthers used to say, that's the phantom of liberty. Do not snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Because guess what? The birth rate in this country, again, looking at this census data and looking at some of the reports, you know, there now white deaths are outpacing white births in this country. First time since 1790, according to the stats I was reading. You, can, you better stop chasing them white women and go chase yourself. Because <laughs> anyway, let me stop. Okay. All right. Last question, because uh, I want to make sure that I'm yes, yes, yes. Uh, how do you think Democrats should approach this from Joshua Hill should approach the Latino vote in the future, given the state of Florida and others who bask in assimilation? The numbers of Latinos, you saw the exit polls that, that voted for Trump um, went up 
uh, from last, from 2016. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think it was like a third of Latinos or so-called Latinos, because um, that's a construct made up as well on the census in the 1970s. Anyway. That's right. They are they are voting against their interests. But what, what are your thoughts? Some of very them. Quick, no, very quickly, I would say this. What you just said is, is, is the thing we should start with. Latino is a label. I always tell, I used to tell people all the time, I said, Latino only makes sense if I'm an Anglo. Meaning what? I speak English. English is my first language. So I'm an Anglo. You speak Spanish. Spanish is your first language. You're a Latino. Anyway, because because are we, I mean, I used to give young people before they, they don't know who these people are anymore, but a lot of people watching will. I said, what's the difference between a Felix Trinidad Latino and an Oscar de la Hoya Trinidad? If you can't answer, what? They both speak Spanish. One from the Caribbean, the other one is from Mexico. You can't, they don't. So, uh, Dr. Watkins, Dr. Belithia Watkins and I were talking uh, yesterday about this, and she said, I'm not at all convinced that 18% that of black men, they said, voted for Trump. Some of them weren't Afro-Latino. Meaning what? Because there's a cultural dimension that's also at play in terms of patriarchism. I'm not at all convinced. And then, if we think about it, and we say Latino, you talking about them white Venezuelans or them white Cubans still mad about the fact they couldn't take their casino with them when Castro and them put them out or their or their grandchildren now who are holding on to that or the people who've been promised an oil contract if they can overthrow the Venezuelan government? Yeah, they Latinos. Or are you talking about these cats out here, the essays who was out there with the Crips and the Bloods who strolled to the polls and put Jackie Lacey out? They Latinos. You also call them Chicanos. What are you talking? Are you the Navajo? You don't call. Uh, Latino or Chicano, except they are the Native Americans. But guess what a Native American who speaks Spanish is called? Oh, I don't know. A Chicano? Are they Latino? I don't know. In other words, first thing to do is take that label and throw it away. Second thing to do is to begin to understand where our points of similarity and contact are. Meaning what? All these Puerto Ricans I was listening to uh, in, in my dear sister um, out, uh, well, she she's at Cornell now. She's in upstate New York. Um, Oh my God, I'm blanking on her name. That's Puerto Rican. Uh, she was on the Green Party ticket. I mean, she does third party politics. Rosa Clemente? Rosa, yes. Rosa Clemente, of course. I, I'm sorry. Okay. I'm going so fast. Rosa, she killed me. Rosa was saying to Roland Martin the other night, she said, you know what? In, in, in the biggest populations of Puerto Ricans in this country, New York, Florida, Pennsylvania, guess what? Them Puerto Ricans in Philly, I live in Philly tonight. I'm talking about them Negroes up Broad Street up there by Broad and Albany, you make that right and go in what they call the Badlands. <laughs> Julio de Rosa, uh, uh, Julio de Burgos School, where we had a freedom school. Them my people right up there, them Dominicans and Puerto Ricans, I guarantee you, those are some of the votes that turn Pennsylvania blue. You can't compare, but they got cousins in Florida. And the minute they get on a plane in, 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 in Puerto Rico and get off the plane in the mainland, they can vote. Rosa's like, you didn't talk to them, Nancy. You out here running TV ads. You got to go in the hood. See them cats playing dominoes? Go talk to them. You ain't talking to them. You think they just going to stand up and salute because you came down here from Baltimore by way of San Francisco? The hell out of here. We need to be at the table. And this is from somebody who ran as the Green Party candidate on a federal ticket. In other words, we have to deconstruct these categories we've been given as if they are in our interest. And once we've done that, we'd see the world for what it is. We can begin to build the kind of coalition politics we need and let them uh, white, uh, and it's not just white, white elite. That's what that's what that South Florida thing is. These people mad. They got money in the game and the money ain't on the mainland. 
the money's in the Caribbean. They want that. And that don't mean that Biden and them haven't promised them it either, because that's the thing you got to watch for. Now, will the Democrats promise them? Because the Democrats be talking, not the Democrats, not all of them, but Pelosi and them, Biden and them be talking crazy about Venezuela and Cuba, too. Now, see, we ain't quite there yet. It may take us another 15, 20 years to get to that point. But y'all going to get up off the neck of our fam in the Caribbean and Latin America. And Kamala, sis, don't make the mistake of sounding like these people right here. Because our people have a growing consciousness of that kind of thing. And you haven't proven you can win a, a presidential election. You can't even have proven you can win a presidential primary. So this is an opportunity for Vice President Harris. Congratulations. It's a beautiful thing. It's an opportunity for her to grow. This is your next stage. You can't stay where you are right now, which isn't, in fairness to her, where you were 10 years ago or five years ago. So everybody has an opportunity to grow. But that Latino thing, we should throw that in the trash can. And start thinking about people in terms of their direct cultural experience rather than labels that were given to us by people who wanted all of us in a field. Well, thank you for that, too, because uh, Rosa Clemente, I need to reach back out to her. I had her on my show my first year on the air. Oh. But you forget. So yeah. I just you reminded. And yeah. now um, no, you reminded me because I was like, build. no, when you said it, I was like, Rosa, Clemente, we got to go get. Yes. Her. We gotta go. So, Dr. Carr, thank you. Thank no, you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank thank you. you. So, I found another book. I wanted to mention it because. I, I wanted to mention this book because I mentioned Garrick's book and this sister, I don't know if you've heard of her, Tammy Gibson. This is her book, Honoring the Legacy, a guide of African-American monuments and statues. This sister here has chronicled all the statues to black women and men in the country. Wow. All of the statues. She got the artists. She got the locations. Another gap. I mean, I'm talking about state by state. She got all the places you can go. You get this book and this ain't even, this just first volume. She goes to all the grave sites. She goes to all the great grave sites of famous people or people who were lynched, people who were killed. This is all Tammy does. She's out of Chicago. Her book just came out, Honoring the Legacy. This is a roadmap. You want something to do with your young people or road trip? This is the handbook. This is like the green book of our ancestors' monuments. You could just go to any state and get them all. They're all in this book. And I wanted to mention that. I mean, it just came out this month. So I'll say, oh, let, me, let me mention it. And you just gave me another guest from our show. So oh, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Uh, let me also thank Renee in Switzerland, who has been a beast uh, overseas. She is an expat who also votes and is, is does voter registration thing in Europe and overseas. And she has been a, a champion. She's also one of our moderators gathering some of y'all folk up, uh, some of the trolls who uh, came in, didn't know where they were, for, didn't know, didn't, forgot their home training. Uh, another one escorting you out. Uh, yes. Let me thank Ayara and Donica and Kareem. I want to make sure I, I, I thank the team that, that uh, allows us to have a free conversation and not have me worried about who's in here starting trouble so that the folk can't concentrate. So I appreciate them. I appreciate them. But more importantly, um, I appreciate you, your service, your willingness to just be so not just transparent, but that, that you love us so much. And I love you so much. Uh, you. Thank you so much. This is amazing. Um, and guys, we'll be back next week. But in between, like, let's let's get busy. Let's start putting some plans together. Everybody that's watching, you know, I don't want it to just be us, you know, but there should be a space where we can come and start to make these lists of things that need to get done. That was a powerful thing. Ask people what they need. Ask yeah. them what they need and let's start giving them what they need. It's, it's not difficult. Same rocket. That's Ella Baker. No question. Listen, listen to black women. Trust me.
<laughs> Beginning with this one right here. <laughs> love you, sis. Thank All you. I right, love you too. All right, see y'all next Saturday. Yeah.